Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Today is the second day of the Amy Coney Barrett hearings, and one of the under-discussed elements of her record is the time she sided with an employer who called his employee the N-word and against the employee. Because of course she did, hiding behind the shield of originalism. Yeah, the founders didn't specifically outline this exact scenario in the Constitution. So then, yeah, the employer can call his employee the N-word, I guess. That's her philosophy. But here she is answering questions about racial discrimination generally today from Senator Dianne Feinstein. How should a lower court in the seventh determine when race-based policies could constitute a materially adverse employment action? Well, I'm not aware of cases presenting the exact same facts. Is that just asking you for your view? Um, you know, I know that the material adverse consequence was the standard at issue in that case. I have to confess that I would need to look at the statute and the precedent to, um, well, even if I had a specific hypothetical in front of me, I couldn't really say without looking at the statute and the precedent what factors are involved because um, I wasn't on that panel and haven't decided a similar case. I think Barrett comes off as kind of this low-key... Catholic mom of many kids. Um, she's unassuming, but her judicial philosophy represents a lot of evil in American politics. Um, and it, it's disingenuous. And I'm just going to give you more details on this case and then break it down further. Barrett wrote for a unanimous three-judge panel in 2019 that upheld the dismissal of a workplace discrimination lawsuit by Terry Smith, a Black Illinois transportation employee who sued after he was fired. Smith's claims included that he was called a racial slur by Supervisor Lloyd Colbert. The N-word is an egregious racial epithet, Barrett wrote in Smith v. Illinois Department of Transportation. That said, Smith can't win simply by proving that the word was uttered. He must also demonstrate that Colbert's use of this word altered the conditions of his employment and created a hostile or abusive working environment. How you can quantify that and show that, I'm not sure. It seems pretty clear. Barrett went on to say that Smith introduced no evidence that Colbert's use of the N-word changed his subjective experience of the workplace. To be sure, Smith testified that his time at the department caused him psychological distress, but that was for reasons that predated his running with Colbert and had nothing to do with his race. His tenure at the department was rocky from the outset because of his poor track record. A possible colleague of Barrett's took a different view on racial slurs in 2013. Justice Brett Kavanaugh, then serving as a federal appeals court judge in Washington, D.C., said one utterance was enough. But in my view, being called the N-word by a supervisor suffices by itself to establish a racially hostile work environment. Yeah, that epithet has been labeled variously, a term that sums up all the bitter years of insult and struggle in America, pure anathema to African Americans, and probably the most offensive word in English, Kavanaugh wrote. No other word in the English language so powerfully or instantly calls to mind our country's long and brutal struggle to overcome racism and discrimination against African Americans. In short, the case law demonstrates that a single sufficiently severe incident may create a hostile work environment actionable under federal anti-discrimination laws. So she's even more racist than Brett Kavanaugh. Awesome. Awesome. But she's a nice lady. 
No evidence that the use of the N-word by the boss to his employee creates a hostile work environment. No evidence. This is the standard sanctimonious ticky-tack BS that conservative justices do when they're talking about these cases. Because you couldn't show me in words, in, in documents, that 2 plus 2 equals 4 on October 8th, 2014, right? Well, I'm throwing your whole case out. No, 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 it's common sense. It's right here in front of me. Well, the text didn't show it and it didn't translate exactly to the Constitution in this very specific notion that I'm now applying. So yeah, I'm siding with the more powerful, usually corporate actor and screwing over working black, people. Like brother hell. And if you're among the millions of Americans who's been ordering everything online you need to stay socially distanced, here's something to consider. Nearly 20,000 Amazon workers have contracted the coronavirus since the pandemic began, and so far 10 people have died. Those numbers stand in stark contrast to new television ads that feature a different side of the experience of being an Amazon worker. To all of our Amazon retail heroes, on the floor, in the air, and behind the wheel, we want to thank you. We'll continue to do everything we can to keep you healthy, safe and protected. The work you are doing means everything right now. Thank you. As the holiday season approaches and more Americans are expected to order their gifts online, some Amazon workers across the country are attempting to organize for better working conditions. But that's had mixed results so far. You know, business as usual. You know, and this is such a juggernaut of a company. You know, it's so hard to, to, to put a dent in their operations, even with all the, the boycott advocating that we've been doing. They put profits above people all the time. So once again, it's going to be a very busy, probably probably the most busiest peak season thus far for Amazon employees. I can only imagine. That was Chris Smalls, an Amazon worker who says he was fired for trying to organize his colleagues at an Amazon warehouse in New York City. And we're going to hear more from Chris in a moment. We're talking about Amazon workers' unionization efforts and the company's response. Lauren Kaori Gurley is a staff writer at Motherboard, Vice's technology website. Lauren, thanks for joining me. Hi, Tanzina. Thank you for having me. What were the conditions for warehouses and workers at the peak of the pandemic, at least here in New York, back in uh, March and April? At the beginning of the pandemic, Amazon announced that it would be providing hazard pay to its workers. So $2 extra an hour at Amazon, the minimum wage is $15 an hour. And they also announced that you could call out sick basically anytime. But pretty quickly, lots of people got sick. So Amazon's warehouse in Staten Island was one of the first Amazon warehouses in the country to really take a hit. And I think one of the big problems that workers had was that they had no idea like how many people in their work site had tested positive they were still positive like they'd get these text messages and phone calls that would sort of announce each time but they wouldn't know you know what the name I mean for privacy reasons Amazon didn't share the name of the person and so they would have no idea like really if they had come into contact with them so I think there was a lot of fear and a lot of questions that were unanswered. Um, workers really felt they, they wanted to hold Amazon accountable for um, sharing this data and Amazon wasn't complying. I mean, we know that back uh, at the height of the pandemic, again, here in New York, because the pandemic is peaking across the country and other states right now, 
Um, workers at Amazon wanted to strike. Um, have they gotten better working conditions right now? There hasn't really been any, like, I, I guess there was a walkout on May 1st, which is May Day. Um, but there hasn't really been any, like, massive strike across the country. There have been walkouts at individual facilities that are still going on. There was one a week or two ago in Minnesota, in Chicago, and there's been some in New York. Amazon, like I said, they cut off hazard pay, like just as things were getting bad in the rest of the country, and they haven't reinstated it. Amazon loves to tout all of its health and safety measures it's taking. Um, But I don't really feel like people feel more protected. Um, They really are upset that they don't have that hazard pay and, you know, that they're risking their lives and their families' lives. And if they live with anyone who's immunocompromised lives, in addition to that, because of that, their mental health, um, sort of by showing up to work and they're not even, you know, they're like, Amazon can't even pay us two more dollars. Like they did that for two months. You can choose to take a personal leave of absence, but in that instance, you're just not paid. So you have to be like financially secure um, in order to not show up to work. So I wouldn't say things have gotten better. No. 20,000 workers for Amazon have supposedly have allegedly contracted COVID-19. What happens to those workers now? So if you're able to prove that you've had COVID um, or that you have COVID, you get two weeks of paid leave, I believe. And a lot of a lot of people who get coronavirus, the effects of it on, on you last much longer than two weeks. And so people don't feel like that is sufficient. I think the the part that Amazon, which is obviously the harder part about this, is that what if your family member gets COVID? I think there are a lot of other scenarios that are Amazon isn't accounting for um, in a way that makes workers feel safe. Amazon workers have also tried to unionize, uh, Lauren. Where do those efforts stand? As you can imagine, the injury, people are working at such high rates, especially last week, which was Prime Day week. And then in the next few months during Cyber Monday, some of the like worst weeks in terms of productivity being super high and like workplace injuries, serious injuries doubling. And so as you can probably imagine, um, people really think that one of the the best ways to improve their conditions is to unionize um, and to sort of create workplace protections because Amazon hasn't been able to do that for them by having a contract that sort of lays out some of these things. So there there is an active campaign in Staten Island um, that is with the retail, wholesale and department union store union. There has never been, I mean, so no Amazon warehouse workers in the in the country and no Amazon workers anywhere um, in the country have unionized. But beyond that, there are, you know, smaller campaigns where unions are working with uh, organizers or warehouse workers, um, not necessarily on an active campaign, but sort of leading up to that. So there's there's workers who have organized in Chicago and the Chicago greater Chicago land. They're organized warehouse workers. I would say some of the best organized warehouse workers are in Minnesota. Um, there's a group called the Awood Center, which is a sort of East African, mostly Somalian worker center. There are workers organizing in Sacramento in the Inland Empire in California, which is sort of Amazon's hub in California. It's interior of um, Los Angeles. Um, I think those are the big ones. Um, but 
we're nowhere near having a union um, for Amazon workers. Lauren Kaori Gurley is a staff writer at Motherboard. Lauren, thanks so much. Thank you so much. We're continuing to talk about Amazon and now a former Amazon worker. Chris Smalls worked for Amazon for just under five years and most recently worked at a facility in Staten Island. But when the COVID-19 pandemic reached their warehouse, Chris began organizing his fellow workers to demand better conditions. After staging a strike in late March, the company fired him for allegedly violating social distancing guidelines. Now, Chris joins me, and he's the founder of the Congress of Essential Workers. Chris, thanks for being with me. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about what the working conditions you experienced were like in the Staten Island facility here in New York. You know, I've been with the company since 2015, um, opened up three buildings for them, started them from New Jersey, spent some time in Connecticut, and then um, I, I launched the building in Staten Island when it first opened up. You know, been with the company since I was a, a level one entry before I was promoted up to a supervisor role. So I know the ins and outs of what, uh, you know, Amazon workers go to on a day-to-day basis. You know, I used to tell my my new hires when they came into the building, you know, if you have a gym membership, you might want to cancel it because it's definitely uh, 10 hours of calisthenics. You know, you're up and down on ladders, you're, you're pulling, you're reaching, uh, you're walking miles on top of miles a day. It's ran on productivity, so what separates Amazon from its competitors is the fact that as soon as you clock in, uh, you're on the clock until you clock out. Um, so, you know, the working condition there, you know, was definitely strenuous on your body. And um, I always used to say that it was 90% mentally and 10% physical because you have to mentally prepare yourself to come to work every day. So you were there at the peak of the pandemic, which here in New York was around March. Um, why did you begin organizing? What were your What were you starting to see, Chris? So just taking me back down to uh, late February, early March, I seen my coworkers and my employees get sick on a daily on a daily basis. I was just being a concerned supervisor and a concerned parent. You know, I have kids, uh, twins at home, and. You know, I didn't want to bring this deadly virus home. And I'm watching the news and I'm seeing this virus sweep the nation. And as it transitioned into New York and New Jersey, we weren't doing anything as a company to protect ourselves. We weren't protected at all. We had no facial masks. We had no cleaning supplies. We had no real guidance on how to protect the workers that was coming there. And so, you know, I went through the proper channels at first. You know, I went to my local HR and I'm like, hey, what are we doing to protect ourselves and uh what about single parents can we stay home and that was the only thing they really offered was you know to stay home if you feel sick if you're you know you don't want to come to work you can stay home without being reprimanded for so it wasn't enough for me because you know as a supervisor working with these associates for 40 50 60 hours a week they're my extended family too so yes i did stay home for a few days but at the same time i was thinking about everybody else that it's coming in and out this building. There's 5,000 people. And New York became the Epic Center, like you mentioned, in March. And I'm like, what are they going to do? So when I noticed that they didn't really have a real plan, that's when I decided to take further action. I started fighting behind the scenes at first, though. I, I sent out emails to the health department, to the CDC of New York, to Governor Cuomo's office. You name it, I tried to do it. I tried to get some media involved. 
And when New York was the Epic Center, I didn't get anything. I didn't get any response. You know, everywhere was overwhelmed. So that forced me to take even more action. I returned back to work on March 24th. That's when we learned about our first case that happened in the building over a week and a half ago on March 11th. And I was like, that's very alarming that you're just now telling us. And what are we going to do? Are we closing the building down? And that's when I was told by my higher ups that we're not going to do anything and don't tell any of the employees anything. And that was the last time I worked for the company. I took my stance right then and there. Um, an hour later, I left the building. I, I texted my manager that day, told him I'm not coming to work the rest of the week as a supervisor. Uh, you don't have to replace me. And when I came back to the building the following days, uh, the rest of the week, I sat in the cafeteria off the clock for 10 hours a day. Uh, on my own free will, telling all the employees that I came in contact with the truth, that Amazon didn't want y'all to know that you're possibly working next to somebody with this virus. Um, that definitely started up uh, a little organizing right there. I got some groups that walk with me to the general manager's office, voice our concern concerns all week. And at the end of the week, they decided to just quarantine me. And I knew right then and there, when they quarantined me and nobody else, not even my uh, my person that I ride to work with, my friend that I ride to work with, I knew that I was being targeted to be silenced, uh, to stop organizing workers and stop telling the truth. Chris, you were fired from Amazon, uh, uh, at least, you know, because in your opinion, because you were organizing. You've now started the Congress of Essential Workers. What is that? Yes, uh, uh, the Congress of Essential Workers, uh, this group that I founded, uh, throughout the course of my journey, um, it, it pretty much came together around May 1st. It's a collective workers, uh, former, current Amazon employees, some are other essential workers. You know, they uh, have different talents and uh, they come from different corporations. Um, some are teachers, some are students, some are uh, just regular people. Um, you know, this this group came together when they, they pretty much believe in the fight that I was fighting against the company. And uh, they decided to just join forces with me. And on May 1st was our first demonstration as a collective. Uh, we, we did a nationwide protest against Amazon on May Day. And um, that resulted into Tim Bray, one of the VPs of Amazon AWS, uh, the top VP at the time, engineer, he uh, resigned. And that's when I knew that, you know, the power of people, and the power of organizing workers uh, was really working. And our, you know, it was small victories mattered for us. So um, one thing I would like to highlight as well, you know, a week after I was fired, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, um, you know, he had a meeting about me with uh, his top general counsel, David Sapolsky. And in that meeting, um, a leaked memo that came out and hit the media was um, Jeff Bezos trying to run a smear campaign on me that he signed off on saying that I was not smart or articulate and to make me ironically, to make me the face of the whole union effort, uh, union organizing efforts against Amazon. Um, they gave me a great idea by saying that, but um, just to know that this man, the richest man in the world was really going to try to run a smear campaign on me uh, really motivated me to really continue to fight that I have till this day. And um, I was able to find this amazing group of people. Um, we've been able to, to organize with other alliances across coalitions across the country. Um, once again, our vision as an organization is 
to get enough workers power, um, starting with the workforce of Amazon, who has 600,000 nationwide, get this workers power behind us so we can negotiate a rank and file democracy, something like a union like structure where we're now negotiating our demands that we want, you know, $30 an hour minimum wage, free me- Medicare, child care, um, you know, PPE to be provided by the company at all time. Hazard pay. We're still dealing with this pandemic and Amazon took away the $2 hazard pay. We want that back. And we also want, you know, overtime for any hours over 40. Um, and, and we want to have paid medical leave, something that they don't have unless you get the virus and you get, you know, quarantine pay, which is only a percentage. So it's not enough. This And ultimately, we want to absolutely have a wealth tax on the one percent in the country, starting with Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world. Chris, I'm wondering, um, in terms of the, the holiday season is is going to be approaching us very soon. Uh, people have already been using and relying on Amazon uh, while they quarantine and during this pandemic more so than they probably have ever in the past. And I can't imagine what the holidays are going to look like this year um, as more people rely on Amazon in, instead of having, you know, actually going to visit friends and family. Um, what do you think the holiday season is going to look like for Amazon workers this year? Well, the same as always, you know, business as usual, you know, and this is such a juggernaut of a company, you know, it's so hard to, to, to put a dent in their operations, even with all the, the boycott advocating that we've been doing, um, you know, they put profits above people all the time. So once again, it's going to be a very busy, probably, probably the most busiest peak season thus far for Amazon employees. I can only imagine, you know, they're on mandatory overtime as we speak. They're just getting out over uh, Prime Day and it's going right into the holiday season. So um, I feel sorry for them, you know, because I know what they're going through. You know, they're working an extra day or they're working an extra two days or they're working an extra hour of their shift. So it's 10 hours. They're working 11 hours. Um, so they're, they're taking time away from people's families and um, just to to be a service of other people which is good as well. But at the same time, you know, to what expense, you know, you're putting a strain on your body, like I mentioned, and you're also possibly putting yourself at risk. You know, this virus is very much still here. The numbers are still spiking. Um, the numbers are still in the building as well. The numbers, you know, there's still text that's being sent out on a daily, uh, daily basis saying that this, they, somebody contracted this, this virus who they uh, failed to, actually disclose you know they they failed to disclose the amount of people that's in these facilities that have this virus um they just released six months later the actual numbers which i believe is way watered down that is twenty thousand. you're talking about the twenty thousand people chris right right yeah you know and that's very watered down there's no way out of six hundred thousand you're telling me only twenty thousand um i don't believe that it's way higher than what they're saying so it's it's a very scary situation for workers right now. I can I can guarantee that. Chris Smalls is a former Amazon worker and the founder of the Congress of Essential Workers. Chris, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me anytime. And we should note that Amazon has defended their stance on workers' conditions in the past, saying, quote, We take this matter seriously, and it's important to us that our associates feel safe and supported. And if we find any occurrence where this has not been the case, then we will make it right. And we also reached out to Amazon for comment on this story, and their statement will be online at thetakeaway.org if we receive it. Context of White Supremacy. 
Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, October 23rd, 2020, so I have been told. This is our weekly segment, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Not for spectators. I had so many different reports. I even had a different audio uh, segment where uh, I think the PBS documentary Driving While Black uh, just, I think it was recently released, maybe this week, certainly within the last few days. I know this month, like October, uh, but it's not very good. Make sure I get the, it's not very good. It's not very good. I'm not saying, oh, you need to go what? Nah. <laughs> many better things you can do with your time and energy. Uh, I just, uh, I'd heard about it. Some people had shared it at PBS often has quality documentaries on racism, white supremacy, but this ain't one. Now, uh, they're talking about automobiles, and the history of racism, uh, black people trying to move. So they have a scene where they're talking about Michigan kidnapping the governor but they're talking about Michigan and black people during World War II they could go get jobs uh, in the north and they can make a lot of money on uh, how this was another component of racism uh, because they would get there and we talked about a lot of this in detail I was going to play an audio segment uh, from the documentary for that but there's no need because I have so many reports dealing with workplace racism so there's no need but even with all of that to the side uh, this is not a broadcast for spectators. Uh, I still do not think it is very possible for black people, any victim of white supremacy, really, uh, to have nothing substantial happening to them in the workplace, meaning you are being compensated correctly. Uh, you are being properly trained. They do not. Uh, spy on you and you know fiddle through your belongings I mean just the long gambit you're being treated correctly you are a valued employee and see yourself advancing there and getting all of your raises if you need time off time to address your child's academic plan whatever you need the resources are provided and you feel like hey until I get ready to retire I'm going to be here working hard and even if you're in that situation, man, you should be the first person to call in. Ma'am, how did you do it? Give us the details. I will shut up. I will mute and we will take as many notes as possible so we can copy all of that success. Sir, how did you do it? Give us all the details and don't skimp. Don't leave anything out. Uh, if we have folks who have problems, certainly always free to dial in. But man, if anybody in this year especially 2020 the year of the Rona it's been problem free gotten your raises no harassment they don't quarantine you on the job and things like that you got hand sanitizer by the gallon and I do know some cows listeners that is true they literally have had uh, co-workers who have given them like here got an extra gallon of hand sanitizer thought you might be able to use like that so if you have that sort of uh, hookup in your workplace speed dial the number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like 
to participate. Number again, 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Hmm. Isabel Wilkerson's case is really lame. Second worst book ever. That has nothing to do with the broadcast. Just I was thinking about that before we went live and that program aired yesterday. But yeah, second worst book ever. Back to our current program. One of our listeners was talking. I've given out this recommendation for a long time, years, uh, in terms of it's election season as they say politics all of that the protests lots of things that could potentially be discussed on the job Uh, none of these are topics for discussion if you are a black person victim of white supremacy we had a cow's listener investor she said man I'm on the job this white woman is there she says man these Latinos they just come over here and we gotta pay for this and pay, how do they even get access to these services? You know, I don't even understand it. They just come over here and hop the border. We need to get that. And hmm. in fact, I love it for the year of the Rona social distancing. <laughs> Back up. Let me get my hand sanitized. Because they said that this week, they said, cut all that talking down. If you can be in a group, because that you expel more vapor, you know, potential contagion. Try to be quiet. Keep your mask on and hush. Uh, but yeah, social distance. We got all this chit chat. Social distancing. I certainly would not engage in the dialogue either way. What are you talking about? They have a right to be here. Question: Maybe that might be the most, but that might be even one that I have to preempt. Like, wait a minute, we work at the post office. What do you mean? I got work to do. I'm sorry, Marge. I'll get back to you later. This continued. It went from, man, how did they get over the border? We got these beaners. To, do you know what the, uh, what they call it? The transgender. Do you know what that is? If someone, a white person, anybody really, anybody really, a white person asks me on the job, Gus T., do you know what this uh, transgender thing is? That might be the response right there. What you just heard. Let us work at the car wash. The post office. Enron. You name it. The White House. You name it. NASA. What you just heard. What does that have to do with our job? Why are you? At, I'm not. I'm not saying any of that. That would just be the logic I'd be going through in my head that would produce me saying nothing. Why are you asking me a question like that? That's one I might even put in. Remember a couple of weeks ago, the caller in Florida, he said, "I think this was a victim of racism." Asked him, uh, "What is this Karen thing? Do they have a term Karen for black people?" Same thought process. Why are you asking me this? What does this have to do with our job? Why do you even think I would be a person 
that you should ask a question like that that has nothing to do with our job Karens or transgender whatever that means this person also might have a recorder for either of those incidents Alexa is on you got white snooping people non-white victims who snoop all it's so many uh, hazards that's why I said I wouldn't even give a question response Gus do you know what these transgenders are I go about my work they get that I'm in hey Gus did you hear trans the, the transgender did you hear me now if it got to the point where they were insistent that has nothing to do with our job if you have something that is work related let me know but I have nothing to say about that that might even be too many words that's what I talk about efficiency it might even be trimmed down but I mean that is like the maximum I would have to say about that again we work at the car wash why are you asking me about this come on and white people run experiments that's been a word of the year white people run experiments gotcha nobody is better at gotcha than racist man racist woman oh and then like I said they got a recording of you saying blah 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 or whatever the case may be and then it turns out that they're come on (laughs) back to washing these cars let's go anywho uh, the election the protests LGBTQ rights Amy Coney Barrett none of that I don't have anything to say about any of that lots of different ways that you can get in trouble in the workplace keep the conversation focused on what is our job again oh okay let's get back to that bang we can talk about that all day long in fact as much constructive information as possible on that particular subject let's see the make sure Let's see. Make sure I get to the audio segments that we uh, talked about at the beginning of the program uh, that we played rather that we heard. So we had our Supreme Court Justice nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. Amy Coney Barrett, suspected race soldier nominated by our current uh, president. Um, Wow, the segment on workplace racism. Uh, the N-word, I think they said in the specific case, unless my memory is bad, they said that case was 2019. So this is not like ancient history. This isn't something where she could say, oh, man, my views have evolved. You know, since then, that's prehistory. Like, uh, you know, last year, basically, month, could be months ago. It could have been the end of the year. Right. So they said this uh, black person, victim of racism, he comes forward workplace racism called me a nigger in the workplace and said I don't know I don't know that has did he call you a coon spear chucker spook hmm hmm yeah I don't know that might not 
Hmm. I don't know if that constitutes racism. Yeah, because, yeah, we... I think I said nigger a few times today, and that doesn't make me a racist. <laughs> like, uh, that I mean, that's the type of thing that you can expect. Like, I think there's a reason myself, uh, Mr. Edward Williams, uh, certainly Neely Fuller Jr., many others, Do- Dr. Francis Cresswells, and we had the audio clip, her as well. Many others have said, you know, hey, the lawyer route probably is not going to work. Even one of our listeners dialed in who is currently pursuing a case and she said that her white attorney told her the exact same thing. Most of the time you niggers do not come out successful in these cases. Standard operating procedure and one of the key reasons is not the white man. I heard white patriarchy this week. Oh man. I heard patriarchy this week. Uh, But one of the reasons it's not the white man. It's white woman. Amy Coney Barrett. That might be one of the white people that you run into along the way in your suit. Ah, no, 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 no. This is not racism. And they said they'll find a way to blame you. See, it was about you and you were not personally responsible and you got off to a rocky start. Watch those metaphors. What does that mean? Got off to a rocky start. Why did I even get hired if I was so incompetent and stupid? Why did you uh, select me in the first place? Was it a a lack in the hiring market? The job pool was a little bit short. Was I an affirmative action hire? Where you just go grab any old incompetent nigger and give them a job? That was talked about in case uh, yesterday, where they white people deliberately hire incompetent black people that was in the book explicitly said that if they have a competent black person talking about teachers we have a competent black teacher and a less qualified black teacher we will deliberately take the incompetent one so that black people don't aspire it's still the second worst book ever but woo, workplace racism has been talked about weekly encased super lame cowbell but if I was so lame why would I be hired in the first place Many victims of racism, black people get off to rocky starts in the workplace because we are poorly trained. We have talked about that for years on workplace. In fact, we talked about that before workplace racism even existed as a program uh, where you don't get trained properly. The white people seem like they have an attitude about training you in the first place and all of that. Yes. Off to a rocky start. What else? Is it poor track record what does that mean why would you hire someone with a poor track record why would I not be given training if I have a poor track record and certainly why wouldn't I be fired I should have been fired before it even got to the point of me being called a nigger which is not racist she is for sure going to be confirmed I didn't have any doubts about that no doubts about four more years no doubts about her confirmation either but after I heard all of that absolutely next Supreme Court Justice she'll be having coffee with Clarence Thomas on a Thursday Amy Coney Barrett white woman patriarchy they say Uh, let's see oh and when they were talking about all this like I said now this case they said was 2019 this is not I don't know. I don't know the folks out there, important things that happen on your job and in your life. Maybe you forgot everything that happened last year. For me, the important things that happened last year, 
I remember many of them, especially if you give me some time and let me know, hey, we might want to talk to you about what happened at the uh, retreat last February. We might want to talk to you about that. Oh, yeah. You give me a few moments to think about it. Absolutely. Let's rock and roll with the questions. Stuck in the mud, rain, all of that. Amy Coney Barrett, white woman. So let's talk about this case here. You didn't think this was racism, this black person being called a nigger on the job. Oh, well, uh, ooh, I would need the, uh, ooh, the case file in front of me. You know, my memory is not what it used to be. And Diane Feinstein, another suspected racist white, they said patriarchy. I thought she'd be questioned by a white man. Anyway, so Diane Feinstein, she comes in and she says, well, blah, blah, blah. Buckets of words. She should have used my button. She says, ah, da, da. I just want your views. Oh, ah, ooh, ah, if I was going to look at a hypothetical, ooh, yikes, that would be a tough one. Wow. Mm. Let me see if I can think on that for you because he called him a nigra, I think. And, hmm, what would constitute race? Buckets and buckets of words sounded like a white person on the cows for a second there let's see Uh, 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 uh. now the Amazon portion we talked about that uh, all year long really all components of it in terms of the total lack of regard uh, for black employees non-white employees types of jobs where you're not going to be able to stay home and be cushy and comfortable that's where they're going to push a lot of non-white people and then say the same thing with him he got off to a rocky start had a poor track record yeah violating the codes we had safety procedures in face and then he's out gathering crowds and then we had to quarantine him see same type of thing uh we've had in fact amazon employees on the uh who have called in for workplace racism i'm not saying they work there now but folks who have worked at amazon they talked about some of the exact same unsafe work conditions way before the Rona in terms of the so-called productivity and you got to work, 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 work. You can't stop to go to the bathroom or anything else. This, I guess this is one of those jobs where you can't uh, be a white nicotine fiend and take 45 minute smoke breaks uh, every minute where they said as soon as you clock in, bam, you're supposed to be working, 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 working all about efficiency, productivity and getting these uh, products out to mostly white people. I think Ari had talked about doing a service delivery service and that type of thing where it's going to be mostly white people uh, who have been given the funds to sit at home, particularly this year to sit at home, prop their feet up and just order all their toilet paper and ammunition from Amazon and wherever else online and get it delivered and then have the audacity to curse out and threaten many of the non-white delivery drivers because it's been a number of those cases uh, over the year and again this is Amazon this is not some company that is barely making it they're one of the few or I won't say few but they're one of the companies that has reported like massive profits this year they could easily invest more in their workers right they care about black people and they're a progressive company oh, they got the headquarters in Seattle I forgot the head- Ugh, right downtown freaking uh, but yeah they could easily make this a lot better they fast tracked Amy Coney Barrett right didn't take a whole lot of time white I said that in the description white people they can speed things up when they want to it's lots of examples Mr. Fuller talks about that all the time they're not interested I said oh yeah we could look out for some of the niggers in the warehouse yeah yeah, 
really we're about to automatize all this in a few years anyway so i mean have fun while you can coons that's not racist right any coney <laughs> that's not racist we just called him a coon one time anywho uh the email is until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com again if you have figured out how to avoid some of these problems uh, you have a safe work environment they value you you have all of your protective equipment and what have you. You don't have to come in and slave the way that they described at the Amazon warehouse. Dial in. Let us know how you did that. Uh, if you're having problems, feel free to share there as well. Uh, two things before I get to the callers. One, I think we talked for the last couple of weeks about our uh, young scholar who is uh, going off to Boston uh, for school. Uh, I was able to speak with him and get uh, more details. Uh, the hope is that we can get like updates, maybe three, two to three updates over the course of the next year. Uh, he should be engaged in, well, I guess not engaged. He should be staying in this situation for a year. I guess Rona permitting, we'll see what happens with all that too, but Rona permitting, he should be in this situation for a year with two white male roommates and a third roommate who as I got more details a third roommate who may also just be a white person this was uh, he was originally described as a so-called mixed race person uh, which is a term uh, I discourage people from using it's not clear as this situation indicates this person has a white parent it might turn out this person just has two white parents could just be as three white roommates triple yikes for a year in the middle of the Rona in Boston. Uh, so as I got, it did not get much better, but as I said, hopefully we can get updates to see kind of, uh, what happens, uh, over the next year. Uh, as I said, hopefully we'll all be wrong and it will be unnecessary suspicion, but we shall see. Uh, he, you know, was very receptive and thankful. I can't say that enough. He was very thankful for all of the suggestions that uh, retired firefighter and many other folks offered over the past uh, two weeks. So much obliged everyone for the tips. Uh, he took them all to heart uh, and is working on getting a small refrigerator and all that. We talked about that and uh, a lock and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, as I said, hopefully we can get updates like maybe two to three over the year while he's in this situation, this living arrangement and he can kind of let us know how things are going. Hopefully there'll be really boring reports, right? Nothing has gone wrong or anything like that. Really boring. He has not been mistreated and smooth sailing while he's in Boston, right? Hopefully that's what it'll be. I did also encourage him to uh, check out for this living situation. Check out if there are bars in the immediate vicinity because that can be in an, uh, a danger in and of itself. Uh, just having intoxicated white people, if that's close to your living space you might want to plan alternate routes especially on weekends things of that nature just be mindful all right uh wow there were a number uh of reports i could have played more read more tons of them uh this week all dealing with racism white supremacy speaking of college students uh, i've said for it feels like years now we should really do away with participating in American football, really any of their organized athletics that are dominated by racists. Uh, it's a hazard in so many ways. Jerry Sandusky, Penn State child rapist, uh, the Rona brain damage, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So I just saw this uh, in the LA Times. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. I mean, it's workplace racism. 
you're a college student. This is your job. It's workplace racism. But I mean, a USC player filed for unemployment, a suspension, and a visit from the feds followed. The pandemic unemployment assistance program was meant to help those unable to work because of the novel coronavirus. So, Muner, I hope that's how you say his name. My apologies. M U N I R. Think that's Muner? Muner? Muner McLean assumed that he would qualify. The USC receiver, like so many other college athletes, had spent the previous few months stuck at home, unable to play or practice. The income he earned reselling high-end sneakers, which sometimes yielded up to $1,000 a pair, had slowed during the pandemic and money was tight. So he filed for PUE, which in California promised a minimum benefit of $767 a week. Months later, the state accepted his claim and McLean pocketed the money with plans to invest it in a new apparel brand he started with his siblings, Ben Free. Pause right there. He's not celebrated as a black. A pause for several seconds right there. Not celebrated as a black entrepreneur. They didn't say he took the money and went out and bought Jordans or crack cocaine or went to Magic City. We didn't hear any of that. They said he pocketed. Really, they even that word. It could have been he banked the money. He invested the money. Could have been a lot of things. But all of that plans to invest in a new business. Wow entrepreneurial spirit that's what they call it the american way you pull yourself up by your bullshit we're not and this is neutralizing workplace racism it is a really tacky cliche to say that we can end some of our problems if not racism entirely by black people going into business for themselves false there are lots of stories just like this black entrepreneurs having all kinds of problems that's in case we've had callers before gusty i guess would count too please you are not going to escape racism by working for yourself as they say continuing uh by but by mid-september with a postponed football season fast approaching usc had suspended mclean on September 16, Michael Blanton, USC's vice president of ethics and professionalism. <sighs> Ethic. The whole USC, they got whole documentaries on how this program cheats and violates the rules and all that. Continuing. They had Steve Sarkissian, an alcoholic. <laughs> Continuing. Uh, on September 16, Michael Blanton, USC's vice president of ethics and professionalism called McLean to ask what he knew about unemployment benefits from the employment development department according to his mother Shan two days later the sophomore was suspended when Shan called Blanton in search of an explanation Blanton told her they're calling his mom by (sighs) when Shan called Blanton in search of an explanation they're calling her by her first name the white people are addressed by their last name Uh, When Bland told her that the complaint had been filed about USC students being approached with a plan to apply for EDD benefits, he said Muner's name came up, Shan recalled. Still, the specifics remain unclear even to McLean and his family. USC coach Clay Helton declined last week to comment on the situation. McLean had been away from the team for over a month when on Tuesday morning there was a knock on the door of the dormitory he shares with his older brother Abdul Malik. Two federal agents had arrived. They asked Muner to speak 
to his brother, but Abdul Malik, a redshirt sophomore linebacker for the Trojans, wasn't present. So one of the investigators, Cynthia Panilla, left a business card for him identifying her as a special agent in the U.S. Department of Labor Office Inspector General. The card also said she was in the Office of Labor Racketeering and Fraud Investigations. Jerry Sandusky, child rapist, white man, terrorized the world with less impingement prohibitions, even after he was convicted. I think these are teams continuing. Abdul Malik McLean wasn't the only USC football player to whom investigators were interested in speaking. Others were approached in recent days at their USC dorms or apartments by investigators inquiring about Muner, according to a person affiliated with USC who was not authorized to speak publicly because of the sensitivity of the matter. A video reviewed by the Times shows investigators stopping one player on a campus sidewalk when the player refused to answer questions. An investigator pulled a document from his binder and instructed the player to show up at a listed address on November 4 at 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> I'll read a little bit. A representative for the U.S. Office of the Inspector General said in an email, our office does not confirm or deny investigations. USC said in a statement that it was cooperating with the authorities. We understand there may be many questions and concerns. The university's statement read, but we are unable to discuss this matter because of our obligation to protect students' privacy. The McLeans are resolute in their belief that Muner has done nothing wrong. Mark Hathaway, a lawyer retained by the family, told the Times on Thursday that the family plans to challenge his suspension at USC. The NCAA does not bar athletes from earning income, either from outside businesses or through self-employment, as long as permission is granted and their name, image, or likeness are not to promote said business. NCAA rules do not cover unemployment benefits and a representative confirmed to the Times that such assistance would not affect an athlete's eligibility. Now I will stop there and uh, yeah, I'll stop there. The report does go on, but I mean, I just found this appalling on so many levels. You have NCAA athletes who have like recently, not ancient history, recently at major uh, Division One programs like the University of Southern California, uh, O.J. Simpson. <laughs> God, I forget. That's probably punishment for O.J. Uh, but at major institutions like this, uh, where they you know, win championships in football and basketball and all these other dumb sports that are dominated by racists, where you've got black athletes saying, man, we are starving. We are on you know, food assistance. Uh, or should be uh, on food assistance. I'm having to go to bed hungry and, and hoping that I can steal a cracker or maybe some leftover popcorn in the stands. Like this is not hyperbole. You were having athletes saying this. And then you got someone he's getting unemployment, but he's not out hawking jerseys and shoes with a signature on it. Or, Oh, I got a vintage USC 1970 OJ Simpson Jersey and blah, blah, blah. And all that unemployment benefits from the Rona when they weren't practicing or playing and this warrants all of this federal intervention put that in workplace racism as this you have 
black teenagers aspiring to be entrepreneurs getting nickels, literally nickels suspended from the team, whole future in jeopardy over that small amount of money for unemployment benefits, which is not even stated by the NCAA that there's something incorrect about this. That is the system of white supremacy, racism, and that is an, if we needed any more, that would be another strong encourage, bit of encouragement. Attempted fathers, attempted mothers, if you have black children, we can find another way for them to get exercise, constructive team building activities, no sports. Too bad. No more Mike Vicks. No more little black children for Jerry Sandusky to rape. We are all good. We've had enough brain damage. Thank you kindly. Enjoy LeBron James. It is all about to be done. We are not horsing around with your athletics anymore. And I said, horse, keep that there because that's about how we're treated. Man, not. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Folks wrote in. I'll get the emails as we proceed, we'll pause here to see if folks have their own situation, uh, thoughts to share. Much obliged, retired fire for the retired firefighter uh, for the audio check as we proceed. Uh, folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you have commentary to share, proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings, Mo in Dallas. Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, greetings, guys. Um, I, I, I was trying to signal you while you were talking. I kept going on mute and unmute um, or trying to flash myself because on my end. Right. We couldn't hear you at all. Yeah. Your reception, I, we, we can't hear. We, it's very choppy, like very choppy. Like we met, I missed majority content, I guarantee you. I, we heard the second. Same here. Okay. But it might be like an audio connection with your with, with your um, equipment because we heard the segment clearly. We just can't hear you. Let's see. Can you hear me now or no? Hello, hello. No, oh, it's only a little bit better, but it's still bad. That's interesting because this uh, is one of the few times where I actually have been listening to the live feed simultaneous so I could actually hear myself over the live feed for some reason the live feed is like I can even hear you it's all it's chopping up very bad everybody chopping is up clear real on bad. the live feed so it must just be something on the phone uh, line and not the because I, like I said I can hear the live feed now and that is clear so hmm I will dial uh, I'll hang up dial back in and see if that clears it but that's odd because that means it's just on the phone lines I'll hang up dial back in we'll see if that clears things up we'll be right back see if this helps okay Hmm? I don't know whoa whoa that is crazy let's see whoa whoa 
This service is provided in high definition. Access code accepted. There are eight participants in the conference. Q&A session has started. The recording has started. I'm mute. Unmute. I was hoping he just unmute me so I could tell him, but I, I had to give up. Yeah, I, I tried I try to text all right, all right, him. Right. I tried Let's to see text if, him uh, on it. This uh, works. Am I any clearer now? There you go. All right. That's now, good. I did That's not, good. I did not do anything to my equipment. Nothing because I was listening to the live stream as I was talking and it was clear on the live stream. In fact, I'm not even going to edit this audio because I want you all to hear the same thing that I heard. Now I hung up, I dialed back in. I've done that millions of times. Tech issues have been no problems over the years. Some of them have been mine, but I have often said, Hmm, this seems a little suspicious. So I dialed back in and did not do what it normally does. You dial in and you know, it does the, it makes a little audio sound with the tone. And then you hear the voice prompt about it. It didn't do that at all. It was just lots and lots of static. There was no audio prompt. It was no press this button. It was just static, uh, which I've not heard before. If it doesn't connect, it'll just not connect or do whatever it does. Like that was super uh, irregular uh, in terms of the whole audio. So it could have been interference. And we have had a number of listeners who have wrote in who have said, I've tried to call in some of them specifically to workplace racism where they tried to dial in. And they said, I had problems dialing in. It seemed like some, we had one person who said I dialed in 30 times. She counted and I couldn't get in. So this could have been interference because I did nothing to my equipment. I didn't unplug a headphone. I didn't blow on the keyboard. Nothing. Anyhow, much obliged, surprised. retired firefighter, because I got his text message. That's why I made sure to turn up the live feed to make sure I could hear. And I was confused. I was like, oh, it sounds clear on the live. You're like, what is going on here? But yes, I got retired firefighters text message and uh, much obliged Mo and Dallas for getting the hand up. I didn't have the, I was trying, had lots of things on the screen, so I couldn't see your hand. But much obliged, both of you, for trying to help out. The audio uh, will be pristine because, uh, yeah, that's just wacky. But uh, for the folks who are listening via the phone line, I won't... Uh, reread everything i was just talking about a report in the la times about a usc player a black male usc player uh who is being uh accused of all of these mischievous things because he got unemployment benefits with the end of the football season uh and then uh, i just talked about some of the reports that we heard with the audio reports about amy coney barrett you can be called a nigger and that's not racist. Uh, and then what's happening with the Amazon folks, but all that will be clear, uh, in the archives of folks who listened in, uh, did any of the folks who are with us with a hand up, did you all have either your own commentary to share comments about the audio uh, segment? My apologies for the folks who are on the phone line who could not hear, uh, my commentary for the last few minutes. What, what is, what is this about a USC player that was that filed for unemployment? Uh, it's in the LA times. That's man. Wish y'all could have heard. I'm not going to reread the whole, uh, report, but he, they canceled or I won't say they can't. Well, they did. They canceled the season. They weren't going to play and they switched it up. We're going to play. We're not going to play and all that nonsense. But anyway, they had unemployment assistance. He filed for it. And then everything went bad from there. He got suspended from the team and now he's being investigated for racketeering and all the rest of this, um, it's yeah, it's a sterling illustration of workplace racism, just trying to get unemployment benefits. And it's not like they were giving him billions of dollars. But, yes, yeah, in the L.A. Times. Um, oh, OK. okay. So, so he applied for unemployment because they, they they suspended 
the their their football season. Correct. That actually makes sense to me. That's what I thought, following logic. But that's not what we have here. He's being because persecuted they get, and they, they do get a like stipend. They do get a stipend. But 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 I think I think the the argument on the other side would be is that stipend comes from the the contract with the scholarship, not the not the football season itself. But then again, the the scholarship is based on playing the sport of football. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he still he uh, he probably still got a stipend. I don't know. They didn't include they that information. They actually paid them a certain amount of money. I don't I don't know what it is exactly, whether it's on a monthly basis or a bi weekly basis. Uh of course it's not, you know, uh the the amount that they should be compensated for, but yeah. Yep, I'm not even sure if he continued to get his uh, stipend after they suspended the season and all the rest of it. I know this caused because I mean, hey, if they if uh, they're not playing games, they're not getting all those billions uh, of dollars from advertising and the television games and all the rest of it. So I'm not sure if they still get their uh, stipend that wasn't included in the report. But uh, I shared it on Twitter. I'll post it on Facebook as well, so folks can uh, check it out. But yeah, another sad illustration uh munir mclean is the young fella's name munir mclean at usc being treated uh <laughs> treated worse than oj simpson uh let's see did many other folks uh we should be working correctly now so folks can hear on the phone line as well any other folks with commentary to share now it's going to get in one email but folks have commentary feel free Grant, I'll get to one of our emails. Let's see. Until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com. Let's see. Again, our thanks from the young fella, uh, our other college student. Uh, I guess I'll send him this report as well, but I'll, uh, our young fella uh, who's going to Boston, perhaps uh, this fall, he will give us an update all of that good stuff uh, about his situation. And again, he gives us a huge thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the help. Email number one. Alrighty. Uh, black female victim of racism. The drug enforcement agency was mentioned on this week's book club. Rem- Reminds me of a skit carried out by some suspected racists I work with before the Rona lockdown. They were tidying up the office when someone found a baseball cap. This immediately led to an enactment of what I assume was a TV show, Drug Bust, carried out by four white females in the team. Each took turns wearing the cap back to front pretending to be a DEA officer laughing as they did their performances. This carried on for about five minutes. Then they stopped abruptly. 
I was sat at my allocated desk while this was all happening and they were standing to my left. I kept my eyes on the computer I had been allocated and the work task I was carrying out, but obviously taking in their activity. I have a very or I have very good peripheral vision. They were so caught up in their racist fun that I believe they forgot I was there. I observed one of them pointing me out to the others, which is when the show stopped. This is what led me to believe they were practicing racism. Why would they need to stop? Because I, a non-white female, was present. Noise and idle chatter are a constant in the office, so they were not concerned about me being able to concentrate. On the other hand, I overheard two of them talking. One relayed how she had been mistaken for a police officer. The other then relayed her tale of being mistaken for a doctor, just because she was dressed smartly. I suspect many non-white doctors experience the opposite. I know many black doctors experience the opposite. I know many plural black police officers experience the opposite. I just mentioned we were talking about Boston. We were talking about Boston. Dick Lair, suspected race soldier, white man. He was on the program in December of 2009. We talked about his book, The Fence. He was a black police officer in Boston. He was out with his white colleagues, suspected racist. They were chasing a suspect. I'm not even sure if the suspect was black, to be honest, but they were chasing a suspect. It was nighttime. He got away. The black fellow was going down an alley and the white colleague jumped out and beat him down. Said, oh, we got him. Beat him. Made us run. So they beat him almost con- unconscious and bloody. And then he, oh, no, that's not the suspect. That's Bill. Oh, oh, well, let's get out of here. <laughs> Leave him in the alley. So Bill doesn't is this name is not Bill, but the black officer, he does not die in this instance. Uh, he's taken to the hospital pursues the case he's trying to figure out what happened to him they like terrorize him they have police officers who are like hanging out at his house trying to intimidate him like what are you doing what are you doing trying to investigate us just because we beat you up man come on i mean i know and this this is not isolated there are tons of reports of that sort of thing happening black police officers uh, either having their badge and not being recognized or being off duty and not being recognized. And, oh, you're just another coon. And, oh, wait a minute. That's Officer Pop. Sorry. Sorry. Got confused. My bad. Put your badge on next time. We'll, you know, very common. I'm not surprised at all. System of racism, white supremacy, super, super strong. Um, the portion. I tell everybody, like, you are the expert on your work situation. Like, believe 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 whatever you think is happening that's probably what it is i just it's been my experience white people generally do not forget about their negras like they generally are very aware uh that we are present now it very well could have been like exactly as she described like they were just in so much revelry of their racist fun that they just oh man got so carried get comment that totally could have been but i would say generally they are really attuned to oh yeah 
Negra in the corner and doing all about what, like, I don't know the nature of what was being pointed and, and all of that. It would have been what they say, a flower in the all to kind of get all the, the total context of what was happening, what was being said and all that. Like I said, totally take, uh, assume you are a thousand percent accurate on your assessment. They were having so much racist fun. They just forgot. Uh Oh, what is actually totally that could have been it totally totally anyway those skits and things they try to get black people non-white people involved in them that's why i'm real eh, i'm not doing any of that we're just here to work i did not sign up to be a part of a cast a play icebreaker none of that like let's just get to the job much obliged uh for writing in much obliged for the folks who uh wrote in as well saying that they were having difficulties with the uh audio uh, let's see other folks dialed in. If either you have your own situation or if you have thoughts on this, when they're doing these skits and even that, did, has it been your experience? White people did, have, have people seen where they get so caught up in like a moment of racist revelry that they kind of forget that there are black people present. Have, have other folks uh, found situations like that where white people kind of lose themselves in the racist euphoria of the moment for a few seconds. Hopefully it's not audio issue. Folks can take a moment. Think about it. Anywho, the number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Just let me know. Hopefully I think we got the audio issue, so that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, If the audio is working, folks can hear uh, what's being said. Not for spectators, not for spectators. Uh, the other folks have comments here that they wanted to share. Grant, just going to make sure I get through uh, my emails. Uh, if the audio is working again, this is not for spectators lots of work to do because I think we have our global Sunday talk this Sunday as I said we had lots of computer troubles much obliged for the folks investing and was not even able to accurately schedule our global Sunday talk on racism from last week Uh, I didn't get the computer until the middle of last week so it was a little little touch and go as they say for a moment but stable now ready to roll we should have a global Sunday talk on racism this week I thought it was kind of important with the election coming up just to touch base uh, with folks in different parts of the world. Plus the Rona restrictions, like it's got really serious uh, in lots of the places where some of our global participants normally chime in from super serious restrictions. So I kind of want to check in with them about that as well, but should be Sunday, normal time or earlier time, right? 3 PM Eastern 12 noon Pacific uh, this Sunday afternoon, Uh, but we'll check in, but make sure I get through all of the emails. uh, And if folks are spectating, then we will wrap up early and get to other things that have to be done. Let's see Uh, some of the other folks who wrote in for workplace racism. I think this person is asking for suggestions. So listen closely. If you have a thought comment, listen up and get ready to share. Let's see. Uh, I have a, this is a non-white male, non-white male. I have a workplace experience of my attempted wife. Oh, well, I guess it's not. 
I would like to share while catching up on the recent programs, I heard a caller share that a non white black person was fired for maybe revealing too much happiness in their life outside of work. I believe my attempted wife had that very experience also. She began a new job and the whites were enthusiastic about her performance for the better part of a year, even making her apply for higher positions when she didn't want to. We have heard that from listeners before. Uh, In fact, we've had folks who've called in about that where it was some sort of promotion and they didn't really want it. (laughs) Didn't think it would, you know, be the greatest thing. And the white people didn't even give her the option of declining it, made her take the promotion. They can do that sometimes. Uh, Let's see. So they were enthusiastic about her performance for about a half a year, even making her apply for positions when she didn't want to. All of her reviews were great. Some months ago, we moved into a new home. Around that time, she was permitted to work from home, although having to do uh, the Zoom meetings every morning. The kitchen where she started the meetings is pretty updated, so I suggested she not show too much of the house because whites could get jealous of the new modern look of the home. A plus we talked about that. I think the uh, the young lady who just wrote the email that I read previously, that was one of the suggestions that she gave. If you're going to do a Zoom meeting, don't want to show too much about your house. Like try to just have a, a blank wall. Nothing is being shown off like super nosy race soldiers like be cognizant of all of that. So great advice to your attempted uh, wife. Continuing. Uh, Good Okay. She didn't fully understand my point of view, but she obliged and took the Zoom meetings outside the house. In the yard during that time, wild rabbits would run through the yard. The rabbits were seen and acknowledged along with the grass in a joking way. She has joking in quotes. That's why I'm writing it that way or said it that way. Soon after that, they began to have department meetings without her. And when she questioned the supervisor about it, she'd say it wasn't important. You're ahead of that. And don't worry about it. There's nothing new. Sometime later, something was done incorrectly. And the superiors came down on her hard to the point that she broke down when she attempted to point out that new change in protocol was announced in one of those meetings that she began to get left out of the supervisor accused her of trying to blame someone else rather than take ownership of the problem. Mm, mm, mm. The next day, the superior apologized for his actions and said he was wrong for how he came off. All this is happening when a decision has to be made about her extending her contract, increasing her pay or ending it within six weeks to a month. I'm sure you can guess that they decided to end it. All of the stress they put her through those last few weeks, she was happy to leave. But it was just a lesson that you can't show too much success around whites oh so painful oh and we talked about this exactly like the caller well not the call the uh female who wrote in uh the email that i just read 
we talked about the Zoom meetings, right? That's why I said, like, it's no way with all the things that are happening this year, there is no way it can just be, oh, no, I don't have anything to say about workplace racism. Like, my job is perfect. We got hand sanitizer by the barrel, like PPE. We distance, no name calling. I've never heard a racist joke or anything else. They don't do any goofy skits, like, perfect. At minimum, it would still be how in the world did you pull that off? Can I get an application? I'll be the janitor there. Anyway, uh, but we just talked about those flipping Zoom meetings and I said, man, you can go outside and just sit there. And the female I keep saying called the female uh, writer <laughs> sounds odd. So the female who wrote in uh, just before that I just read, she said, I don't know. I don't know, Gus. I wouldn't sit outside. Like, man, if you sit somewhere where you don't have traffic and small, like, how did this nigra get a backyard? Are we paying her enough to have a backyard? What is going on here? You are supposed to be in the pro. There should be a dumpster and a landfill and orange slime and toxic ooze seeping out of the ground where you are. What do you mean sitting somewhere outside where you got green grass? What she said that right? They got upset. She got green grass, bunny rabbits. Oh my god! Oh, this is the worst I've ever seen. Oh, I need more. I need more opioids. Oh, this coon. Did you see Bob? This coon has got rabbits in the backyard. Leave her out of the next one. <laughs> like I'm laughing, but this is we just talked about this literally like weeks ago. Like, nope, you're going to have to go in the bathroom or whatever, close the door and just have a white background behind you. Or if they give you one of the backgrounds to put up that has like the company logo, fine, put that up. But nothing, nothing. You don't want the birds chirping in the middle. What? This coon has got birds chirping. It should be a train, a subway going by, smog filter in the air, lead in the pot. That's birds. Bunnies for the coons. What is that? Is the system we have, ladies and gentlemen? Like, uh, I would love to say this is an exaggeration. I would love to say, no, a black person having wild bunny rabbits in the yard. No, it's no way that could pro- cause a problem for you. Apparently, the person that wrote in thinks maybe it did. Bunny rabbits. I am so sorry, sir, uh, that you all had to endure. And that's what I mean about that sort of nonsense. They said she had done great. Enthusiastic about her performance and all of that. And then for for no reason at all, just, oh, this nigga is doing a little too well. House is a little too nice. Yeah. And then they go about sabotage, leave you out of the meeting. So now you're missing details. You don't get all the information. We've heard this like a billion times over the course of workplace racism, not by accident where you start getting left out of meetings and then they come around and blame you. This was in the meeting. You should have known about Oh, Wait a minute. I didn't even get invited to the meeting. They told me there was nothing new. Put that in quotes. There was nothing new. Oh, you're just shirking responsibility. You don't even tell. And then come in a day later after you've been embarrassed and humiliated. A lot of times they'll do this publicly. They'll get you in front of a group meeting to wag their finger at you and all that. And then they'll come in the next day. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
I had some time to think about that, and I might have misspoke. You're a valued member of the team, even though we're not going to extend your contract. Told this nigger to get rabbits in the backyard. (sighs) Got to be mindful about everything. There's a reason. As I said for years, like no pictures up in the workplace. You can't be showing off if you got, you know, if you got a new baby, your sister had a new baby, something like that. You can't be showing that off. You got a new vehicle. Can't be showing that off. You got a new boat, took a vacation. You went to the continent for three weeks. You can't be showing that off. Can't be talking about that. Even had some folks, they got so codified. If you have multiple vehicles, pick whichever vehicle is the cheapest the most raggedy that is the car that you drive to work whichever one is the most expensive the nicest you never drive that one to work we've had that that's in the archives where people have said they have the nice vehicle and they drove that one to work and the same thing happened race soldiers looked out this nigra do you see the car this nigra and it wasn't like it was a Bentley or something (laughs) This nigga has a car. What is he doing with the car? What is going on? He should be on a skateboard. System of white supremacy. The nosiness cannot be under. That's why I said them coming asking you a question like, what's a transgender person? That was when I said when the audio wasn't working, we had a cow's sister who said off the air, one of her white colleagues came up and asked her, do you know what a transgender person is? That's what I mean. Like that level and particularly that level of spite I'm upset with you just because you have this or because you have that or whatever I mean that is can't even comprehend what it means to be white the number again is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND much I will say much obliged uh, sir for sharing uh, with your partner uh, trying to share constructive information looks like he had lit, at least uh, got her to not do the zoom thing in the kitchen uh, the nice remodeled kitchen and all that same thing one would think outdoors would be safe but wow um, but yeah that's that is great uh, other folks who attempt to try to share constructive information with family members friends awesome continue to do so and doing so in a way that doesn't cause conflict like if they don't agree like I think he said that she didn't you know, really grasp his perspective uh, initially. No problem there either. You know, use logic. Just my perspective. It seems like this sort of thing has happened before. You can send him a cows episode. We talk about this sort of thing. And then, you know, hey, use logic, see what happens and report back. But yeah, much obliged for sharing. I'm so sorry about how tacky all that worked. But given what how things worked out, maybe it's for the best, right? Maybe it is best to be out of that situation and find something a little less toxic, but wow. Uh, the number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Isn't that staggering? Bunnies? bunnies like not you had a picture of dat turner in the background right like a clansman being hung in the background not a four more years i'm voting for donald trump nope bunny rabbits other folks uh if you have commentary suggestions feel free maybe heard? Heard? Oh, heard both of you uh uh, 
Miss Tien. Yes. Um, well, I, you know, I've been working from home ever since uh, the corona mid-March. And uh, since I've been working from home and, you know, with the 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 virus out there, you know, I just stay at home the whole time. You know, I try not to go out and do too much. So when I'm working from home, I work my just eight hours straight. You know, if I want to grab something from the refrigerator for lunch, I just grab it and, you know, warm it up and, and sit at my desk and work while I'm eating. So I hardly ever take breaks since I've been home. You know, I just want to work my eight hours and get off and take care of my family. And so, uh, a week ago, um, my supervisor, he, um, I worked five hours over because we're, I'm trying to get out some state reporting. And so he sent me an email and he was like, you know, um, I approve your time, but did you uh, really work five hours over? Um, if not, you know, you're going to have to go in and correct it and, and things of that nature. And so I said to myself, you know, he said that, did I work the uh, five hours over because he noticed that I've been taking breaks, which is not true because I hardly ever take breaks. And so um, he sent the email out and, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to reply back to him and ask him, you know, when did you see me take breaks and, you know, go into this long explanation with him. And I said to myself, I'm not going to do it. I responded back to him. He, Correct. 45 hours and was done with it. Uh, when it comes to the Zoom meetings, um, I have like this, uh, I guess this background, this um, digital black background that I use uh, so no one can see anything in the background but the, the, the uh, background um, image that's saved in the back. And even before I had that background image, I would actually uh, be facing a blank wall. And I intentionally faced the blank wall so no one would see anything in the house. And I remember one time I was on a Zoom meeting, and, you know, sometimes you could add a video or a lot of people just talk and they don't see your face. And so I started just, you know, participating in the meetings, not showing my face, and everybody in the meeting is like, where's your face? We can't see your face, you know. <laughs> so I had to, you know share my video so they could see my face because everybody was concerned with the fact that they couldn't see my face for some unapparent reason. And uh, when it comes to the, the Bay Area student, I can, uh, I've been experiencing some of that with my own son. He's a freshman in college. We sent him away to college this year, September. And uh, I'm the mom, which we started uh, book clubs during the summer where we read books specifically geared towards understanding racism and white supremacy. We did that for years. And my main focus for doing that is because, you know, you say to yourself, when should you uh, share with your kids about racism and white supremacy? Notice that I haven't been doing that. Didn't know how I was going to go about breaking the ice and sharing it with them. So we started reading books. My son was very well versed on our, uh, you know, starting to understand racism, white supremacy, what it is and how it works, all of that. And um, he went off to college, and uh, 
he took none of that with him. Um, he, his freshman year, I thought your freshman year in college, you should not join a fraternity. He decided he was going to join an, uh, a white fraternity. And uh, about three weeks ago, they were going camping in the woods. He never been camping. He's afraid of bugs. And I'm like, you know, why are you going camping in the woods? You're afraid of bugs. And uh, he was like, you know, no big deal. So my husband and I decided we went down there and we just picked him up. I had to uh, get, he's a part of like this program. They call it the race program. He has a black mentor down there. I had him to talk to him. I had his cousin who is like part of a similar program in another university call and talk to him. And yeah, we just have to just go and pick him up. And we went and picked him up and brought him home. Uh, in the process of doing all that, um, I was like, who are, do you have the equipment you need to go camping? He didn't have the equipment. And I said, uh, I need someone to talk to. They, he didn't know where he was going. He didn't have their proper equipment. And so one of his friends, he gave me um, a telephone number to one of his friends. His name was Connor. And so Con I called Connor up. The little uh, white guy called him up and, you know, grilled him for some information. And he was a freshman as well. And so Connor started sending me uh, text messages of the person who organized it and uh, different other white people that were a part of the little program. And, you know, I didn't call anybody. I just saved the text message. So I'm like, if anything happens, I can contact these people. And that's all before we went and picked him up. Connor went on the camping trip with the other white guys, and uh, I said, carry on. What, uh, have you talked to Connor? And he said, uh, not lately. Connor decided that he was going to leave the fraternity because they weren't in line with his views. So I can only imagine what they did to Connor out in those woods, being a white person just like them, and what they would have done to him. But my son... You know, he's down there. We, first semester, we're thinking about bringing him closer to home next semester. Uh, everything we learned has just gone out the window. Thank you. Wow. Much obliged for sharing, Miss Tien. Like, I had commentary on the situation uh with your job which i thought was exemplary uh i worked 45 hours not gonna get into a long exchange with this suspected racist that's a common one too where they come back gaslight did you really work like you're cheating you worked 20 hours, and then you took 50 smoke breaks didn't you you know you did it i worked 45 hours thank you but wow like Man, uh, I was stymied when you got to the end. Connor, I was stymied many times. White friend, we said that was in case yesterday. White friend, uh, Connor, the white friend, as a result of the camping trip, says that he's leaving, that it's not in line with his views. Like, what t what did they wth what happened on the trip like 
man uh i do not have children it is a really hard job being an attempted parent in the system of white supremacy like wow and i mean we've heard from a lot of attempted parents like they talked about racism white supremacy they exposed them to dr welsing mr fuller all kinds of constructive content and the system of white supremacy can blow all that away like easily so that is very common like that's just one of many many frustrations in the system of white supremacy racism although that is like a real painful frustration I can imagine again I don't have children Uh, even Dick Gregory I think talked about that with some of his children the exact same thing that he did all of that and they saw all the work that he did and then eh, these white people aren't so bad Supreme capital W white capital S supremacy Um, that is amazing black self-respect in my opinion like being so involved like y'all you could have been hey you know gotta learn the hard way (laughs) they they didn't do that like to call and get information and talking to Connor and all saving the text messages and everything and actually going to the camp like I know so many parents who would not have even invested all of that time and energy and Uh, to really, you know, try as best you can to to look out for your offspring. Like that is black self-respect. You have my highest accolades, uh, commendation, uh, you and your uh, attempted husband. Um, Man, like, I I was a little, like they're going camping, like is, does the Rona exist where they are? Like I'm amazed to some degree that this is even happening. Like, uh, do they have any Rona restrictions there? Like, is that a concern? Like, I don't know if I would be thinking about going camping with my frat buddies, like, right now. No, they didn't have, well, they probably had it on the campus, but when it came to what they do outside of camping, uh, well, outside of campus, I think they were going camping, and it was off campus, so you know, the campus, you know, really didn't have anything to do with it. And then I learned with when once your child turns 18, it's like, you know, yes, pay us all the tuition, but uh, what he does is private and we can't share it with you. They got privacy concerns. We heard that. Heard that if that's what they said at USC. That's what they said. They got uh, Muner McLean. He's being investigated, racketeering, and all that for getting unemployment benefits. Oh yeah, we got privacy uh, concerns. We can't. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I will pause just because uh, I think our Bay Area mom. She does have offspring. Gus does not. Uh, and we've been chatting her young scholar uh, who's going off. She talked about some of her thoughts last week. Uh, she, she might be a better person to chat with than Gus T on this one. Uh, our Bay area mom, are you with us as well? Oh, yes. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay, cool. Hi. Oh, <laughs> um, well, I don't know what to say. Um, do you have do you do you have anything that you wanted to just ask me? Well, not directly, you know, like 
I can feel your pain when it comes to yeah. dealing with your kids and, you know, you're trying to teach them about racism, white supremacy. And like I always tell my kids this, you know, learning about racism, white supremacy, what it is and how it works, it has nothing to do with hating anybody. It's all about learning who you're dealing with. And, yeah, it's 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 a struggle. Yeah, um, yeah, it it is. And with mine, um, like I I have two, and with the old, older one, I was so much younger, so inadequate. So she's a little different, and um, she she does listen because we were able to throw some things in. But the system is so because we have no army, it's so complex to be able to. Um, make sure they just do absolutely what you say because there's no, it's just, you know, kind of almost you against, you know, them and their, their forces so dominant. And um, so as I listened, I had to think, well, gee, I guess I won't be so hard on my son because not like that, because I, I allow the children to make um, their own um, decisions. And my daughter's the one she hit. So he learned from her when she dropped out of college. Or she says, stop going. <laughs> Be like her. So that kind of thing. But um, with this move that he's doing, um, he was already there prior to. And um, I just appreciate that he, because I did not know he, con- <laughs> I did not know he contacted Gus. So I appreciate that. Because I just flashed on him. I'm, oh, excuse me. What's that a matter for? I just, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, um, he just looking at me. So, um, then I was like, well, gee, I can't be like that. So, but I was, it was nothing I could do because he's able to make his own decisions. So I guess, um, but by the time it was over and it was, it wasn't like that. He understands the system and how it works. And, um, he's real, he's pretty good. It's just, because it's a music college and whatever is going on, I guess, I, I don't know. But he wants to be closer. They're hybrid learning. I guess the instruments that he would had access to are there. Some of his stuff is there. He has stuff in New York. And I guess he's trying to, and he tries not to put so much pressure on me. So I guess I just appreciate now that, he would check in over me to somebody like Gus. That's nice. And I didn't even know nor listen to the program. And I guess I was listening to Gus talk about whatever he had said in conclusion. I didn't hear it because I was in my bedroom and the phone wasn't here because it was all messed up because you got interference, I'm sure. Because when I call in, it's a mess. I can't it take me like, four or five times to call in in order to connect in real life. And that's been for the past month <clears throat> for me calling in, but I don't care. I can keep, I have, I don't, I have nothing but time. I have three hours. So I, I just keep going until I get through, but um, I'll, I'll stop now. Glad we got that included as well. The difficulty on the phone line. Many folks have said the exact same thing. Um, 
Yeah, he did. You know, he did email. That is grand. I hope I had some logical things uh, to say. And I asked a lot of questions. Um, I guess it's a little different since I don't have offspring, but I tried to ask a lot of questions. I always think that's helpful because then you can get like more information about the situation. Like what he said, one of the folks was mixed raced. Uh, and just asking questions like, being like, oh, okay, he has a white parent. Oh, okay, okay. And just going through that because we talked about that. Even some of the folks are saying it's the white mom or is the white dad. Like that would have, you know, different impact. And then see, this might just be a white fella. So it might just be three white people. So, um, but yeah, just trying to ask uh, questions because I think a lot of times young folks, if you've invested the work, they can follow logic. So just trying to ask uh, questions so that they can use more logic use more a lot like Dr. Kambon he used to talk a lot about there were these reports that were that showed basically the our brain computer is still developing like into our late 20s uh, even early 30s uh, perhaps but it's later than we have been led to believe uh, and he was saying that he was seeing that that they talk about a lot of the poor choices I'll put it that way that younger people make uh, even college traditionally college age students a lot of the poor choices that they will make uh, he says their brain is still developing they got another good 10 years maybe even more than that of brain development to go so yeah they're going to make dumb choices and do dumb things they're not ready many of them they're not ready for a serious you know rigorous scholarship but um, following logic getting that working out that brain computer to use more logic and thinking about things that can be can be helpful um but yeah that i mean that is a tough one i know if we have other parents uh if you have any thoughts i said that the whole time when he first sent the email if we have parents if you've dealt with this situation uh if you have college age uh children and you have any tips that might be uh helpful uh, and it is you know trying to find that balance you know because if they're over a certain age and they don't reside with you. Yeah. They're going to have a lot more, uh, independent independence, uh, and autonomy as they should over what they do. So you can't, you know, order them per se to do this or to do that. Um, but wow, it is, uh, it can be really daunting, uh, in this. And the system is so powerful in terms of often it doesn't take a whole lot. Um, just because of the years of, brain trashing and conditioning sometimes it can just take one friendly white person one mildly friendly racist to drop that suspicion and cause a lot of problems um yeah it's uh sometimes it's difficult to learn did we have other parents who had any thoughts yes can i be heard can i be heard Oh, got multiple. Wow. That was retired firefighter and Mo in Dallas. Yes, sir. Uh, to the uh, to the lady who uh, was uh, stating that uh, uh, herself and her husband who uh, laid a uh, foundation, a counter racist uh, foundation, uh, I just would like to commend uh, the two of you, uh, and, uh, also, uh, state, uh, don't, don't let it discourage you, uh, because you, I, I, I think 
Let's see. Can you all still hear me? Am I still here? We can hear you. Okay. I can, yes. Retired firefighter, are you still here? Interferency. Uh, oh. Yes, I'm back. I'm back. I'm oh. back. I, my, my finger did something that I was, wasn't supposed to do with the phone. I don't know where I cut off at. Don't be uh, can you uh, hear discouraged. Me? Yes, sir. We can hear you now. I think it went out about what yeah, you were yeah. saying. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't be discouraged because what, what, what I think you two guys did was lay down a, 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 a oh, one of the most, unfortunately, it's, a, it's an unusual foundation. Yeah, I, I would suspect that the majority of, of uh, husbands and wives, parents, uh, non-white black people do not do. And uh, so you did lay down a foundation. Uh, as Gus has mentioned, white people can be very, very nice. They have a well, a well thought out understanding of non-white people. Uh, let me. Uh, can I ask you a quick question? Uh, what was his exposure to? Uh, white people his uh of his age group uh before he went to college uh before he went to college uh i guess the area we in we're in um he was exposed a lot to white people at, at his high school um in high school uh he was bullied and most of the bullying came from uh young men that looked like him and so at this point in his oh. life, when he goes to college, he's like, uh, he clings or, or, or I guess, kind of go towards white boys because he says black boys has, has nothing in common with him because they don't like to do the things that he does. And I think that came from a lot of the bullying he received in high school. And so, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, so he he's like... Yeah, you know, like I'm the type of parent to where if something's going on at the school with my kids, I'm out there, I'm I'm vocal, I'm, you know, I can't be an advocate for you if you don't share with me what's going on. So it's like, yeah, he's like, I don't know, he he, he was bullied in high school and he's, I don't know, with, with people that look like him, he's like, I don't know, he's. Okay. Were some were some were some of the the uh, friends that he that that he had made who who had came over, you know, uh, kind of like uh, fellowship with him, but beyond the, uh, the the formality of school, like coming over to your house, were some of them white? No, I, I they knew uh, if you got white friends, they're not <laughs> in my house. Okay. Uh, what was his interest? What was his interest in camping before before this experience? He didn't like camping. My my husband, you know, his father tried to take him fishing. He was like, no, it was too many bugs, and you know, it's like he get around a bunch of kids that, you know, uh, his age, and now all of a sudden he could conquer his fear of of bugs and insects. Okay, well, let me tell you something about what I think I know about white people. <laughs> they are very good at convincing non-white people to uh, uh, branch out from their fears uh, uh, and come along with me and, 
and do something like parachuting or something like that, something that they normally would would have a fear of doing or would not do. White people have a very good uh, 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 strategy into convincing us to, quote-unquote, overcome our fears, that sort of thing. Camping in itself, unless somebody can tell me incorrectly that I'm incorrect, it, it's, it's actually is a clinic into being independent because basically when you're out in the in nature you have to you know have more of the idea in mind of doing for yourself and helping yourself and i think he's at about that age and, and the whole idea of going to college you know you kind of like get away from your parents so to speak uh uh, uh that's sort of i mean i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm sure that he he loves you <laughs> You and you and dad and his dad more so than anybody. But I think you know what I'm talking about as far as getting away, as far as to be able to have that feeling of independence. And camping is perhaps also uh, uh, a, a clinic of that, you know, as far as that concern. But but uh, just don't get the only thing I want to say. Just don't get discouraged about what what you have done. Keep doing it. And uh, all of us make mistakes. <laughs> That's one thing about it. All of us make mistakes. I know as a parent, because I'm a parent also, uh, uh, that, that, that you, you always don't want him, to, him or her to make the mistake and, and whatnot. You, you want to be ahead of it, so to speak, so they don't make a mistake. But they, we are going to make mistakes, but the bottom line is because you have a base for him. You provided a base for him then it's, it's, it's a situation to whereas he can, he can perhaps either think his way through it based on a mistake he may have made or, or divert away from the problem before it actually harms him in, in, a, in a certain way. Because, uh, because, like I said before, what, what you and your husband did is, is unfortunately, I would say it, it's probably – rare considered on, 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 uh, the amount of black couples that actually does formally and scientifically, this is what I'm getting from you. That's that formally and scientifically have done with their child or children. And, uh, that, that, that's just some thoughts that came to my mind as I was listening to, uh, uh, what you had to say. Thank you. Hopefully I said something that made sense. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Mo in Dallas, much obliged for your patience, sir. Thank you. Um, I agree with a uh, retired firefighter, um, and I would also like to commend um, the, the, the female caller and her husband on, on laying a foundation of, of counter-racist lo- counter logic for her child. Um, that is not very common. And um, just him being uh, introduced to uh, the the concept of, of what systematic white supremacy is, um, he's going to like encounter things and he will be more aware. Um, I would hope he would be more aware um, or at least be able to notice when when the system is working against him because that will... If, if you're unaware and, and more confused about racism, it can um, eat at an individual's self-esteem 
you know, and they start to get um, uh, feelings of, you know, inferiority or insecurity, and it, it really does a detriment to your uh, lack of self-respect, which is very important in the system. Um, also, I would also like to commend you, uh, parents, for, 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 for picking your child up. Um, I've, I've heard multiple news stories about, um, well, black people, period, um, and just, just dying, um, in the presence of, uh, of, of white people, you know, and no one knows what happened, um, you know, and no one is charged with a crime. And especially in a situation like camping, if he's unfamiliar, you know, that could be a very dangerous situation. He's unprepared. He, he He's uninformed about the elements, you know, and, and I myself, um, uh, my son was a, a Boy Scout and me and his mother uh, uh, weren't necessarily getting along. Um, but I made it uh, a point to to go um, on a camping trip. I was very involved in this Boy Scout. And I didn't want him to go, but she wanted him to go. And and that was one of the stipulations. He's only going if I'm going and we have to get along for this for this day and a half. And um and uh, we uh there were there were hunters out, um uh, and it was cold. So uh, we we kind of huddled together, um, but I was I had to secure my family, you know, and and it's a very, very, very enlightening situation to go camping. Um, it was my first time camping, and and I'm glad that I was there with him. Um, actually, on that trip, my daughter experienced uh, a little uh, white supremacy from from the uh, from the from the other children. And um, I informed their parents, and their parents made her apolog- made them apologize to her little boys, actually. Um, and uh, it, it was I used that trip to to educate my entire family on on counter racist logic. Um, as far as uh, the workplace incident, where the um, where the where the female, I think she emailed in and said that. Um, uh, her coworkers were possibly practicing racism, and with the with the hat and things and such. Um, I also I, I I walked into a break area once, and the break area is usually a, a place for chatter and and things like that. And it was just a moment where I walked in, and like one of the individuals gave like a signal, everybody shut up. Two of them stood up, walked away. It was just a really awkward moment for me just walking in the room. I don't know what was being discussed, but I assumed that was racist. Um, um, because it isn't a, it isn't uncommon for someone to walk into the break room and people to continue conversing. Um, uh, um, and as far as um, the uh, Bay Area mom and her son, um, I would just uh, advise I would recommend that she um, kind of uh, ha- uh, uh, requested her son uh, listen to the program as much as he can. Talk about it with you know. Talk about it with you and things that he feel and things that he he you know liked and disliked and try to work with it through him. I mean, work work through it with him, um, and um, that that'll just fortify his foundation that much more. Um, because there's nothing like uh, legally you can do to stop your young man from 
from being a, a you know an adult um and if uh it's hard uh, I, I my mother she had issues with with kind of breaking ties with me um and she had to let me like bump my head and and things like that so just as long as you keep an open line of communication with him and, and um he should he he he, he will I hope he won't, but more than likely he will return home and say, "Mom, you're right." Uh, <laughs> I wish that he wouldn't have to, but that that seems to be the common theme and 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 things that I've experienced and other male uh, victims face have not experienced. Um, that's all I have for now. in my line. Much obliged, Mo and Dallas. Uh, I will. There are two reports. Uh, Gregory Johnson Jr., uh, I believe uh, Mr. Scotty Reed, Black Talk Radio Network, talked about this case. Uh, we did as well. Uh, you can just give a quick look online. Gregory, well, I'll read a little bit. This is on my blog, racism-notes.blogspot.com. Uh, Mr. Johnson was a 20-year-old student at San Jose State University in 2008. He made the unfortunate decision to reside in the all-white Sigma Chi fraternity house. He was the sole black resident. He was found dead in the Sigma Chi basement on November 22, 2008. The Johnson family was justifiably unsatisfied with the suspicious death of Johnson. It goes on to give more information. He was found hanging and they said, oh yeah, suicide. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote this report. Mr. Johnson, as you heard, he died in 2008. I wrote this report in 2015. The New York Times, they just did a report. Uh, let me give you the date. October 4. I have this on my phone because at the time my computer was not working. So this was my sole outlet for Internet. So I'll read it from my phone. A black Belgian student. Oops. <laughs> but here we go. A black Belgian student saw a white fraternity as his ticket. It was his death. Gent Belgium. They got a uh, bad Rona outbreak in Belgium right now. Uh, Sanda Diao saw a fraternity as a doorway into a different life. The son of an immigrant factory worker, he was an ambitious 20-year-old black student. 20-year-old, Mr. Johnson. Uh, black student, one of Belgium's most prestigious universities. The fraternity, Ruzagome, was home to the scions of Antwerp's white elites. Access to that rarefied world he decided was worth enduring the fraternity's notoriously vicious hazing ritual. He did not survive. After being forced alongside two other pledges to drink alcohol excessively, chug fish oil until he vomited, swallow live goldfish, and stand outside in an ice-filled trench. I'm going to pause right here. Miss TN, she said, Connor said, after participating in the camping trip, I've decided that the fraternity's values are not in line with my own views. I said, what could have happened on the camping trip? Continuing. <clears throat> stand outside in an ice field. I suspect that was stand outside naked. 
I'm guessing though, but it just says stand outside in an ice field trench. Mr. Dia died in December 2018 of multiple organ failure. His death was seen as a tragic accident, an example of hazing gone wrong. Now, remember how much they talked about the HBCU in Florida? Oh my God, these are the worst niggers in the world. I bet you all haven't even heard about this case. Continuing, or Gregory Johnson. Let's see. In recent weeks, however, an even uglier story has emerged. Fraternity members had used a racial slur as they ordered Mr. Dia to clean up after a party. A photo surfaced purporting to show a fraternity member wearing Ku Klux Klan robes, the coon man. A fraternity speech referenced our good German friend Hitler. A video showed them singing a racist song and deleted WhatsApp messages recovered by the police show fraternity members the sons of judges business leaders and politicians scrambling to cover their tracks. This was not an accident, said Mr. Dia's brother, Seydou Devel. I'm going to stop there, but I posted this on my Facebook page uh, like a week or so ago, but the title of this report, New York Times, a black Belgian student saw a white fraternity as his ticket. It was death. I would share these type of reports. I know we do have some uh, non-white people, even cows listeners who say reading mainstream media like the New York Times where this was reported is a waste of time and is silly. They are wrong. I generally don't say that, but they are wrong. I would get these sort of reports and I would just share them. You don't have to say a whole lot. Just, oh, check out this. This was in the New York Times this month. Gregory Johnson. They have stories. His mom talks about their experience. Unfortunately, there are lots of stories of there being one black member of a fraternity and bad things happening. Lots and lots. I would share a few of those reports as well. Uh, and just like I said, just trying to use logic. Think about things. Trying to use logic. Uh, did we have any other uh, attempted parents or folks who wanted to uh, comment? Because that is the workplace for sure. If you are in school, like that is the workplace. If you have any other folks who wanted to comment on this before we. Uh, push off. Uh, feel free. Can I make one more comment, guys? Oh, well, wait. I'm sorry. Gus, I did share that share that article with my mm. son. Mm. Love it. Love it. Excellent work, you and your attempted husband are uh, doing. But yeah, that's I would share that sort of information. Maybe ask them a question or two about it, you know, down the line, see what they say. Gregory Johnson, like there are lots of them. The SAE report, that was when they got caught singing the song. It's even a movie. I have to uh, reading is more important than watching television. But there is a movie that is about a uh, white fraternity. And it's recent. It came out within like the last five or six years or so. Uh, But it's about a white fraternity they have one of those same thing criminal shenanigan uh, procedures hazing rituals they call it and uh, in the process they go to rob a convenience store with a black person working there and it just goes you know even more criminal from there and they try to blame the black person and aren't you a rapist didn't you rape that white girl and all this you know same old thing maybe have him check out that movie like anybody who is even if any black person that's even thinking this is a safe environment for me as a black person 
you do not understand what it means to be white and you are potentially putting yourself in a fatally dangerous situation like yeah I would try and share more info like I said because sometimes all it takes is one smiling face and Mr. Fuller's book goes out the window everything Dr. Welsing ISIS papers is in the trash like white capital W supremacy capital S Moen Dallas thank you um I give um, attempted parents that come across this program a quote um, that that I had to start using because a lot of times when you start to inform victims of white supremacy on the system and how it works, they do accuse you of being hateful or hating white people or or something to that such, and I don't hate anyone. Um, So I had to... Uh, reassure the reassure people that I'm not teaching hate. I'm teaching history, and um, the greatest indicator of the future is the history or the past. So I'm just using history and and the past to instruct people on or instruct victims on how to maybe navigate through the system, but. Um, I would uh, recommend that um, victims, you know, just reaffirm that statement, you know, and, and reassure people that this is not hate. It is history. Um, thank you. That's all I have on me, my mind. Not the art. Greetings, Rob, now in San Diego. I did want to say to uh, Mo in Dallas, I do not have children, but I've heard that so often. Uh, an attempted parent or any non-white person who's just talking about white supremacy, racism accurately and encouraging suspicion, try to keep, you know, other non-white people safe. Oh my God, you are preaching hate. You are a bigot. You are just like the segregate. All of, I've heard all, I don't even have children and I have heard all of that where you, we even had a black mother, uh, it was so sad. She said, uh, I shouldn't laugh because it was, it was really sad. She said that uh, she had been trying to tell her child, you know, different things, safety, counter racism, logic. And uh, her child, her daughter, she said, mom, you are just racist. You just hate white people. And uh, she, she was flabbergasted. Like what? <laughs> and then she turned, I think like two or three months later, she turned around and said, man, mom, these white people on my job. She said, that, that, I thought I was racist. <laughs> be receptive, be receptive. But that did happen. That did happen. That is a very, very common charge. Again, just shows you how effective white people have been. Uh, Rob in San Diego. Um, <clears throat> that's actually a great segue for my small commentary. Um, I have uh, children with different women, and uh, I started to... <clears throat> attempt to teach my children about racism, white supremacy at an early age, um, four or five years old, and I was told that very same thing. Uh, you teaching my baby to hate white people, and, you know. And fast forward, my oldest son is 15 now, and my youngest daughter is, uh, my oldest daughter is 14. I have an eight-year-old daughter. But from the steadfast position that I show, like not wavering in my position and just 
you know, pointing out what I've seen, observations that I've seen. My children now <laughs> be like, yo, my dad said that. And they are now paying attention more to the system. And uh, <clears throat> the other part that I wanted to add was that um, when the female talked about her son being bullied by people that look like her, right, um, I really want to highlight that because that is a very serious issue. Um, it's an issue that I still experience at this age, like not somebody like trying to punk me, but just a physical confrontation when I'm amongst people that look like me. And that will push one to other races because they look more functional than we do. And they got resources. So, like, as as the scenario was being played out, like, I'm sitting here wondering, like, myself, like, damn, well, like, excuse my language, but h- how do we counter our group being so dysfunctional? And basically, like, because I know multiple people, and I'm one of them, that seeing how dysfunctional their family was and just completely run another way. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. That is important. Can I be heard again? Yes, sir. Uh, retired firefighter in Florida. I just, I just wanted to uh, uh, go in a similar uh, background that the last caller uh, was talking about. Uh, with my 24-year-old offspring, black male, uh I've always had had him with me since he since he can walk, uh, and uh, and I would as far as with non-white black people, uh, it would be around uh, some of the most quote unquote intimidating uh, black people that there were black males involved put your hands over years, Gus, involved in the football, <laughs> you know, uh, who can, you know, really intimidate people, that sort of thing. So he, and he, so he never was intimidated himself by that, that atmosphere. Uh, yes, bullying does take place, ma'am. It does take place uh, with the black males, uh, especially. Uh, there's a great deal of immaturity, uh, which is aided and abetted by the global system of racist white supremacy. I don't. I don't think I would get an argument on that, on this program. Uh, and in turn, just like the last caller uh, stated in his words, uh, that uh, in in the mind it, it would perhaps encourage. Well, let me listen to what some other people <laughs> have to say. And as I mentioned before, white people. No non-white black people pretty well, and they know how they know when to be very nice, uh, which would be to their benefit, as well as terribly mean and nasty, uh, which would be to their benefit also. And it's probably easier for them to be nice, as opposed to being mean to get their to get their their way with us, uh, because you will have a longer lasting. Uh, 
master versus slave relationship if you're nice to that non-white person. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, with so with, what I started noticing with my offspring, that he would basically, you know, he befriended that type of atmosphere, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, as far as with, if he's going to be around males, it, it, it'll be non-white black males. Uh, although I, I mean, I still have, uh, I still have some conversations with him. Uh, also, it's, it's not like just because he hangs around non-white black people that there is no quote unquote problems. I would like for him also to, uh, put a, uh, a level of, of, uh, you know, of those people doing this, having the same, uh, level of, of, uh, purpose. I put it that way, uh, uh, that he had, that he should have, uh, uh, as far as schooling concern. And, and I keep having, I keep reminding him of that. It's a constant thing of reminding or sharing with that person. Uh, I'm my mother's worst child, <laughs> and uh, and and so she spent she spent a lot of time with me. The, the the other four, as far as my siblings, his aunts and uncles were easier to uh, to train. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a constant work. And, and, and like I said, you do have a good start with that base that you and your husband uh, put put with him. Uh, so don't let what you're seeing right now be discouraging. Uh, somehow, somehow in my mind, when I hear about fraternity, a white fraternity, uh, uh, it's kind of crazy, but I think about Paul Robeson. A am I correct, Gus, that Paul Robeson was a member of a quote-unquote white fraternity? Uh, I don't recall when he was at Rutgers. That's what I was thinking. I know he did the football thing. I'd have to go back to double check to see if he was in a fraternity as well. May have been though. A lot of white identification. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be. I put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised based on the book that 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 we that we uh, read on him. I would be surprised. Uh, white people are very, very cunning. Uh, we're, we're, in other words, our opponent. Is deserving of his, of the challenge. That's for sure. It's very deserving of the challenge. You know, uh, uh, it's a challenge for us in, uh, uh, collectively. It's a challenge for us individually, let alone talking about the, some of the people that we love dearly, like your, your, your own children. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just stating all of that to say to, to, to just, Stay on your grind, stay on your grind, and, 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 and do the things that you and your husband think is necessary to do in order to. And eventually in time, whatever you're seeing, whatever you're seeing that may not look correct, uh, uh, you know, he, 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 would, he, would, he would rely upon his base. Anytime I've ever been in a crossroads on making a, a decision that's vital to, to, to myself, I always relied upon what my mother taught me. Always, I wasn't listening to I wasn't listening to some some uh, other twenty twenty one year old or something like that. I would listen to those people, 
And and I'm pretty sure that that's what he would do also. Thank you. Context of white supremacy. Much obliged. Uh, retired firefighter. I'm going to give out the number again. to uh, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, if we have any other attempted parents, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share, uh, we still have about a half hour left in the broadcast, so you can dial in to share. Uh, I did want to say, and it was uh, very much in line, Miss Tien, when she said that her child uh, endured a lot of bullying, mistreatment from other black children. Very common. That is a part of the uh, brain trashing that we have experienced. That's why I think why Dr. Welsing so frequently talked about the importance of black self-respect. That's the type of behavior that is necessary to maintain the system. That is the type of conduct that you can expect people to exhibit when black self-respect has been annihilated. That is like precisely what she used to talk about. That's what happens. You start to get a better understanding of racism, white supremacy again, Mr. Fuller's 10 stops. Stop arguing, squabbling, name calling other black people. Some of the essential aspects of counter racist codification are huge in the workplace and beyond. In fact, person wrote in. Thank you for uh, the program. I would love to hear your thoughts on the fact that the supervisor allegedly who called Terry Smith a nigger was also a black male. This is in the case that Amy Coney Barrett was questioned about. This is the reason we should not name call other black people. Just give suspected racists more tools by which to practice their racism. That and then I'm surprised that she didn't add that to, you know, her stumbling and fumbling buckets of words response this week. uh, That, well, I think it might have been a black person. I think that's a part of the. American Negro culture that's celebrated by the likes of Kanye West. And I didn't exactly feel that I, as a white person, could disparage another black person's form of greeting. They have Ebonics. And this, in a work environment, we talked about this as well in terms of making sure, encouraging, telling other black people. Uh, we do not want to name call. We don't want to talk, not using this type of language in a work environment and not being surprised if you bump into this and having a code about how you're going to deal with that. I know Mr. Fuller talked about if you go in a work environment, Hey nigga, what you doing today? Slep in late. I know you old lazy coon. You, if you have black people who talk to you like that, and I have worked in work environments where black people talk to me like that. He said, I would just ask one day, hey, we got our old lazy Negro Gus. Uh, hey, Rob. Well, I won't say Rob's program. Uh, hey, Donald. Uh, just wanted to ask. I know you think I'm a lazy old coon, and I might be, but we don't have any other lazy people. Like, I don't hear you talk to any of the other white people here like that. Like, you don't call anybody else lazy or call them names. It's good morning. Miss Johnson. Good morning, Mr. Randolph. That's the way 
why what's what's the difference you don't you don't believe in equality like that's the exact way that mr fuller talked about it and following logic just asking questions why is that why am, am i the only i mean if that that might be true that it's only one lazy nigger here and it's me okay i might have to wear that shoe but i mean really nobody else like johnny takes 45 minute smoke breaks every other hour like i don't do that like dang no name calling and you know to the, I think Thomas in New York and some other people have said that they work you know they have unfortunately worked in environments where black people did this exact thing they're victim of, victims of racism white people are most to blame for this ultimately that doesn't make it any better but we have had folks who said that they've tried you know to pull someone aside and say hey I wouldn't talk like that you know try to be professional as they say and I would say as we inch toward 2021 it wouldn't surprise me at all if they get to a point where a black person, you know, saying nigger in the workplace or whatever it is, they do come and say, well, you are a bigot and we're not going to tolerate that. And you're fired for being unprofessional. Like that would not surprise me at all. So for about a billion reasons, yes, no name calling in the workplace and that all of that bullying, it can have that impact. Oh, where it pushes you hey, away this from is a white mile coming down my street. Can you hear that? I'm sorry. Oh, they're protesting. Yeah, they're protesting about something. Oh, and SARS now. But it's just like, like San Diego is very different. Um, Like, the the narrative that's really being pushed out here is like multiculturalism, you know, that, I mean, we know we're under a system of racism, like supremacy. Um, I wanted to add one thing. I was at work. So I work in a uh, Korean restaurant. So I get off work. I'm sitting down for dinner. And I order some beer. So the manager comes and takes my order. And she says, uh, Robert, are you off work? And so I just kind of look at her. And I said, uh, are you joking or are you serious? And she didn't say nothing. And, like, she tried to go past that and, like, you know, continue taking my order. And I said, wait a minute. I said, are you joking or are you serious? I said, because every time I come to work, I'm very professional. So do you think that I would actually sit down on my break and drink alcohol and then go back to work? And then she started laughing. No, 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 I'm joking. (laughs) And uh, now keep in mind, I'm the only black male that works in this establishment as well. Doesn't get any better than tacky uh, in the workplace. Uh, If I understand it correctly, you were just getting food. You were not working when you went to place your order to get food. Punched out. I'm off the clock. Punched out off the clock enjoying your day just getting a meal or whatever ordered your beverage I'll have a beer with my meal or whatever it's going to be and uh, that's when the, yes, what are you going back to work what we got an alcoholic here that all that tech man uh, <laughs> any no, of the one more thing jobs oh, I'm sorry I got one more thing to add oh okay let's hear your other component okay so now, we're just coming back off of uh, the COVID shutdown. 
Okay, so you got the general managers in the restaurant. Now, I'm in the back sitting with my other coworkers, and I hear the Asian female ask somebody, hey, this guy right here, does he work here? <laughs> That's all I got. Black people are unemployed, certainly are not supposed to be working there. Like uh, that one also very, very common. Um, with the first situation, um, and I've experienced this myself, uh, unfortunately, I always think it's it just it seems like for non-white people, I'd say black people in particular, it seems like there are a variety of hazards and problems that arise when we are on a work site, when we are not actually working. Like I said, I've experienced this myself. That's why I've kind of codified. Like if I am not on the clock, I am not here. Like I'm not interested in having any conversations being accused of anything. Like I've just like, I've experienced this personally. And then I've had it happen with other people uh, as well. We're just really bizarre things. Uh, happen, and I, I think some of it could just be because it the there must be something irregular about I'm here, but I'm not here in a work capacity, which is the normal way I would be, the normal way I'd be functioning. I might not be wearing the same clothes I would normally wear, or just lots of things. Might not be the, lots of things enough that I've said, hey, if I'm not on the clock, I am not here. <laughs> like uh, I guess getting food, like that's supposed to be one of the perks for that type of job. I maybe have to get my food and eat elsewhere like if I'm not on the clock I'm not kicking it here I've just seen way too many times where that type of thing happens uh, for black people especially just odd accusations tackiness have not heard too many good things happen where people were uh, on the job when they were not actually on the clock myself included Uh, let's see sobriety would be best Uh, other folks uh, with a hand up commentary to share To the, to the last caller, uh, I would just say, based on what you did with that first, that first incident, I don't think that she will be playing with you anymore at all, based on how you, uh, based on how you addressed, uh, the, uh, the situation immediately. Uh, cause that, that could have been based on, it, it, had you done it in a different way, it would have been something continuous. And I, I don't think, I don't think that she would do that again at all. Based on how you answered that, 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 uh, that quote unquote joke. Thank you. Yep. Context of white supremacy. Uh, I'll double check. There was a different report. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just, I don't know. You all can let me know if this resonates with you. Feel free to be truthful. Uh, your work friends knew exactly what kind of week you'd had. This is from the New York times this week at the beginning, back in March, the surrealness of daily life was enough to distract from the loneliness working from home involuntarily 
seeing my newsroom colleagues and neighbors faces pop up on zoom a medium once reserved for long distance or international communication and drawing penises felt above all else eerie and bizarre just wild we all said to one another with a mix of awe and anxiety but by april when the new normal began to feel actually normal one particular memory of my old office began to creep into my mind in idle moments it was a friday evening in january the end of a week when news had started breaking at a relentless pace on monday and hadn't let up since the image of us all journalists and editors sitting in tall chairs around a table in our office kitchen blowing our cheeks out and laughing and sipping beers now wait a minute (laughs) i thought we just had a nigger who got chastised for maybe drinking a beer and then he's gonna punch back in they said they're actually on the office sipping beers together Continuing, before we all caught the subway home, became my personal version of Leonardo's Last Supper. And that gets drinking beers on the job for them is a religious experience. Religion of white supremacy. Continuing. Now, when newsworthy events were once again materializing at breakneck speed, a beer by myself at home just wasn't cutting it. Would I ever again get to spend this kind of therapeutic spur of the moment time with people who knew precisely what kind of week I'd had? For more than seven months now, office workers worldwide have been working from home to help curb the spread of COVID-19. As a result, millions of us have lost a crucial source of daily interaction with other adults. It's too soon to tell whether the chronic loneliness is increasing. Research conducted after a month and a half of lockdown doesn't show an increase in chronic loneliness, but the subtraction of office culture from adults' daily lives inhibits the two kinds of relationships that play important roles in preventing it. So the long-term consequences of a prolonged, widespread loss of work as a social environment are perhaps yet to be seen. One key relationship the office provides is weak ties or social interactions with people who aren't family or close friends. Julianne Holt Lundstadt, a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Brigham Brigham Young University, I think that's Utah, the Mormon religion of white supremacy, pointed out that these types of relationships can increase our sense of belonging and happiness, which can reduce social isolation and help stave off loneliness's detrimental health effects. Robert Morrison lives alone in Austin, Texas, and is the lead animator for the video game developer Certain Affinity, which went remote in March. He misses his work friends. There's always a lot of interaction outside the team when everyone's hanging out, having a smoke or vape. He remembered of pre-pandemic work life. He estimated that smoke break chatter broke down to about 80% work and 20% relationships, life updates, and jokes about negras. I'm going to stop there, but I just found it astounding. Like, wow, really? I said, I, I don't know. Is, is this applicable? Are any of you all missing your work buddies and workplace interactions and such? If not, that's fine too. But I at least wanted to, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I didn't have uh, work homies that I had a beer with or a smoke with. And would feel really down and out if we didn't get a chance to kick it and that sort of thing. I did have work homies who would name call me and bully me. And so it was not a big deal if we didn't get to see them for a month or for the rest of my life. (laughs) Anyway, not to mention the folks who try to put a penis on your head. 
Uh, do we have any folks that we missed uh, totally who had a hand up they wanted to share? May I be heard? Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I want to start out with, uh, I have some from the break room, definitely white supremacy being practiced. Uh, the first is the security bailiff, uh, kind of an old guy, old white man. He was uh, eating his food, and there was a janitor lady, uh, non-white person, uh, with an accent, and she was coming in to uh, get food out of the refrigerator. So he turns around and says, hey, I, I thought I told you not to come in here, you know, and stop following me. So she started laughing or whatever, and she didn't say too much, so he adds, you know, I told you uh, people are going to think we're seeing each other. And, you know, he starts laughing after that. Uh, my second one is a white woman. She made a comment to a younger black male, way younger than she is. The term they use on a job is cougar, right? So he's at the vending machine. And as he's leaving, she says, hey, handsome. And he turns and looks and then just waves whatever and leaves. But this person looked extremely uncomfortable. Uh, my third one is the victim of racism, black female. She, she was talking on the phone. I don't know if it was a customer or it was a personal phone call which is what I disagree with. Um, I think you should make personal phone calls on cell phone, not on the company phone. Uh, but I just heard her saying, sound like she was venting about something. She says, oh, what more do you want from me? I gave you my social. I gave you my ID. Do you want my skin? Like, what else do you want? Do you want my skin off of me? Uh, that was another one I jot down. And uh, there was a suspected racist, she made a comment. Uh, it was about, a, she said it to another white person. Uh, she said, you know what you ought, to, you ought to do, blank? You need to get a red wig, and you can be the red-headed stepchild. I said, now that's interesting. And I noticed that there is... Uh, two red-haired white people <laughs> that worked in the department, but she didn't make that comment while they were there. Uh, there's another quote that was in the circuit writer. There's two things in there. Because we've been having an issue with dress code, particularly from white women wearing short dresses, and black females have been pointing this out. Uh, so I think what the warden has done is um, absolve other racist women from being reprimanded, of course, by using abstractions. Uh, she says it in a quote, dress for the job you 
have or not uh, something like that dress for the job you want not the job you have or something i might be butchering the the quote but i think that was like an abstract approach to talking about it but they still continue to break dress code violations so more, more white supremacy in that um i have two more uh these were posts from social media from uh, suspected racist co-workers. There was one female clique member, of course, where she uh, she posted an image saying, well, when the Lord wants you to keep you from going back to your whole days, H-O-E, but he pulls up in a Jeep with a beard and tattoos, and then beneath it uh, has an image of a white woman with a wedding dress, and the dress is pulled up, and she has a chastity belt on. She's trying to saw it off. Okay? So, once again, another screenshot. Uh, and the last one is another one wedding-related. There are five white women in the picture. And the the three in the center, they have on wedding dresses, cowboy boots, and they're all holding rifles. Now, envision that. <laughs> you know, white women in, in wedding dresses holding a rifle, holding rifles like real guns a little like, with, standing in front of a pickup truck. So... Um, I have one more, but I'll just stop right there. That's all I have to share. Thank you. Mm. Much obliged, caller in Florida. I'm sure they had the rifles for the Rona. I think they said, wash your hands and rifle. You will be Rona immune. Um, The dress code. I have worked with whites before and they know how to enforce a dress code, even the school level doesn't have to be work level school level. They know how to enforce a dress code. Uh, Come on now. Abstractions and vagueness. That's how you handle uh, folks who are not. And particularly if it's like collective insubordinates, right? Like you got large numbers of folks who are violating policy and procedure on a regular basis. We just come out with nonsense. Dress for the job you hope to have, not the job you. What does that mean? How's that related to the wardrobe? They know how to send the email out right quick. If we have to warn you again about incorrect attire in the workplace, there will be one verbal warning, and the next time you will be sent home and not paid for the rest of the day. No more problem with short dresses. Like they got lots of ways. They know how to solve these problems like immediately if they want to. Sometimes it black people, you come in there and have it be anything related to wardrobe. It will be handled immediately. Uh let's see. They got the non white, I think he said it was non white janitor. She came in and the old white bailiff fella so what are you doing in here get out of here stop following me people think we're seeing each other I mean it does not get any better than tacky and I mean like for real for real 
it is 2020 bill cosby is still in jail that is the sort of thing like me too everybody hey pops might need to be thinking about retirement can't be saying that type of thing i know it's a negra but you can't be saying that type of thing in 2021 uh sexual harassment nobody is stalking you nobody is trying to see you behave yourself stop being a filthy old man eat your lunch and be quiet like does not get any better than tacky and that's another one we're like just joking around like i'm all about promote being serious on the job i'm not someone that's about ha ha and joke joke and all that because that's these jokes that's where it's going where's my he said the other the white woman came where's my lunch at you didn't bring my lunch get out of here that's so we can develop a workplace rapport so that that's the greeting that i get that's that's my homie talking to me there come on let's see Woof. The cougar thing, that's another one. Same thing. Me too. It is 2021. Come on. Imagine a black male, Bill Cosby, walking through the... Mm, hey, they're good looking. You'd be in handcuffs in seconds. Come on. Even with the Rona. No masks, you'd be in uh, handcuffs. Come on. Run immediately and that might even be one you can do the same thing and be super serious hey there handsome excuse me please do not ever reference me in that manner again lots it depends on you know what the person's status is but it's a whole lot of ways but I would make that clear and it would be distance that would be someone I would never be alone with that person it would be distance 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 I do and documented date time all of that that this happened like is 2021 and especially if this person has already imagine that imagine that a black person in an office with a reputation as a quote-unquote cougar that's someone who is uh sexually pursuing someone who is substantially younger generally reserved for a white woman like come on imagine you have that type of reputation in a workplace you're a black person and you're walking around making comments to that of that nature to anybody really in a workplace. Come on. Let's see. The red wig uh comment. Uh you need to get a red wig. You can be a redhead stepchild. That's another one. Everything is F does anybody have anything nice to say? It can't just be good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> Thank you. No, everything has got an insult attached to it, and I'm fitting to shank you. And what, man, like social distancing, just getting the work done. Uh, but the, I mean, that's ISIS papers right there. And even that's why I said I feel like white people are generally very cognizant because they're so mischievous. If you're doing incorrect things all the time, you kind of got to be aware. Made sure to say this. There are some redhead people in the office, so I'll make sure yeah, Susan's not okay. Yeah, yes, you should get a redhead wig. We could you like ha ha ha. Okay, we'll say that one. I've seen like, not saying I'm I'm totally unfamiliar with them getting lost in their little racist humor for a few seconds. Absolutely, just saying they generally kind of keep an eye out for what's happening in their surroundings. Uh, the rifle. <laughs> Get off the social media. That's all I can say. Might even be a great hobby. If you uh, know that you have other folks that you work with and they're on social media, 
it might be worth the investment. Like you don't have to go through and, you know, dig out every single post that they write, but just check out, you know, from time to time, see what they're posting. You might learn a lot. And particularly if you think you have some cool racists, you've got some white friends and all, you might be absolutely amazed at the type of content that is on their social media feed, as opposed to how they present on a daily basis. Just saying any other folks comments that they want to share. May I be heard? Miss TN. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, I, my daughter, my, my oldest daughter, she's a, a, a probation officer. And so uh, her partner, the guy he, she's partnering right now is a white guy. And uh, they were going on a house visit. And the house visits that they do now, they just knock on the door, you know, make sure the offender's there, you know, step away, and, you know, ask questions. And so um, she said they went to a house and they knocked on the door and they must have uh, awakened the guy. And he, you know, jumps up, comes to the door, and uh, tattooed on his chest is um, – white power and he had like swast uh the the Jewish swastikas on his uh elbows and everything and you know they just questioned the guy and everything and um they left and uh when they got in the car the white guy says to my daughter he said uh uh he sure don't like you and um I teach my kids I say you know when you are around white people instead of when they make uh, ask questions or make statements I said Instead of you replying to the statement, you need to ask the question. And so she said to him, you know, said to her partner when he said, when, she, when the guy said, he sure don't like you. And she's like, I don't give a, a crap whether or not he likes me. And I said, that was the wrong response. I said, you should have asked him the question of why would you think that? And she said, yeah, you're right. Stay in the question lane. Love it. That is always, I feel like, the best uh, response. Because, I mean, yeah, white people are supposed to be ignorant about racism. So why would you even say that? What would make you say that he hates me? We can both learn something today. Love it, love it, love it. Even a white person saying something like that. Like, what? What? He might have the same tattoo. Like, shut up. <laughs> Anywho. Um, and I feel like a lot of times they'll do things like that to try to get a response out of us. Like, he, he doesn't like you. <laughs> right. That's his cousin, brother, nephew. Um, any other folks, comments they want to make sure they get in before we wrap things up? Can I be hurt? Mo in Dallas, yes, sir. Thank you. Um, speaking to the caller in Florida about the dress code, um, uh, I do believe that white people are very familiar with how to enforce dress codes. Uh, in Dallas, there was a news anchor. Um, her name was Demetria Obab. O-B-I-L-O-R, Abilor. Um, um, and she got popular for, uh, I guess, reporting the traffic while being dressed well. She got so many complaints 
from news watchers and they were trying to get her removed from her position based on what she was wearing on television. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't revealing attire, it just fit her. Uh, so um, white people are very informed about how, how to enforce dress codes on the job and off the job, if you ask me. Um, thank you, that's all I have. Absolutely. They, they know how to enforce rules uh, to make people comply when they want to. I have seen that. They demonstrate that on a regular basis. What rules are important and which ones are not. Sometimes they say it's important. No drinking on the job. Then other times they'll turn around and have in the middle of the New York Times. Man, I sure miss the days when we could drink on the job with our coworkers. Oh, before the Rona. Other folks, any comments to share before we wrap up? Certainly, if anybody is feeling lonely, if you're working at home and you miss being around your colleagues for this time, I just that did not resonate with me at all. But maybe some folks have a, a unique work environment and they miss their their peeps while we've been sitting at home. Is that anybody? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, y- yes, Gus. I I just wanted to uh, share. Um, I would say this is an example of strong white codification. Uh, for instance, I was uh, enjoying my lunch, and this definitely, I think, was an assault toward a black female, like not a physical assault, but just practicing racism. Uh, like I mentioned before, this black female was uh, sick, vomiting, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they've made her work in the drive-through out of the rotation more than the two other white women. So on Tuesday, she actually she takes lunch at twelve. All right. So I was already down there, and it was a few other people, and a white woman after the black female comes down and sits down to eat. She is already now she's watching something on television. All of a sudden, when the victim comes down there, she says, well, you know what? Uh, it's getting cold in here. I- I'll have to get up and leave. And that's that's it. Like, but 15 minutes you're watching the television. She comes down. It's cold all of a sudden. So she gets up and leaves. Another white woman comes down. See, this is what I mean about the, the chat in the. Uh, unjust networking through the cell phone. So another supervisor comes down. I, I immediately noticed there's a vibe there, a negative, you know, vibe, and is being initiated by the racist. So she looks over to the black female victim, and she doesn't say anything to it. So they don't say anything to each other for the uh, fact. So, you know, I'm observing both of them very carefully black female gets up, throws something away. She walks out, look very uncomfortable. Another click member walks in and she leans over to the white woman that's in us. That's three of them right there. And they start talking and they saying, Oh yeah. Did you know she's supposed to have clock back in and such and such? 
yeah, I just clocked out at 12.30, and I found out she was down here when I got here. So I, so I said, okay, they're already talking about it. So I get up, and I leave. <laughs> so it was almost the end of my lunch. So I see the victim coming back down the hallway like she was about to come back in there. And then when she walks in there, then they both leave the the room. So they've apparently started another chat that's even more widespread and vicious than the last one, I guess. Um, but it looks that they still are uh, on their, their racist assault of this black female. And it looks like other victims have been trying to help her out to get her to um, send more emails. But I wanted to share that because they definitely uh, have strength and they have like a, you know, a racist monolith, you know, between each other and how they practice racism. So, um, and it all white women, not the white men, as you mentioned before. And, and that's all I have to say. Thank you. I guess patriarchy is a little weak in the, uh, North Florida area. Uh, what to say, man, I'm not surprised. Uh, they will, that unjust networking and just, gossiping 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 that's what i said when we started off they were talking about the black fellow and they said uh he had a rocky start he said he's got a a a record of trouble like well why wouldn't this be if there's an issue she didn't clock in correctly or whatever the case may be as opposed to we'll just sit around and gossip we'll wait till she leaves and talk nasty about her when she walks in the room, oh, it's cold in here. Oh, I got to get out of here. Oh. Then wait for her to leave and then come out. Oh, yeah. Clock out. You see, like, why not just make sure everybody is informed? Clock. We had that all these people poking at you. Miss Tianta, did you really work 45 hours? Are you committing wage theft here? Trying to check us out of some hours? You know, you were outside on a smoke break for an hour. She's in here on lunch. She didn't even clock back in yet. I mean, you can go up and make sure this is true, or we can just sit around like we're in grade school and snicker with racism, white supremacy, though. I can't even say that it's like grade school because, I mean, this ends up having huge ramifications where you end up not getting a raise. You end up having your colleagues and superiors, all of whom are white, thinking that you are some shiftless employee who doesn't work. I mean, it can have huge and just making it a totally toxic work environment where you're not around people who support you and who think you are a valued member of the team, the family, they say, Nope, we're just looking at you sideways every 30 seconds. She clocked in 30 seconds late today. Boom. Took an extra five minutes on lunch. Coon call your names and talk bad about you like what in the world and again this isn't mcdonald's i expect them to be you know hostile there's no family here we fight over chicken nuggets this is the courthouse we're supposed to be serving the public aren't we all in this together to do justice and help out the florida community isn't that what it's all nah 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 (laughs) taking social media pics with my rifle man bomo years That is our neutralizing workplace racism, where, again, I can only say if you do not understand what it means to be classified as white, 
you will end up with lots and lots of problems in the workplace and beyond. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call-in, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll catch up on news and notes. Ice Cube was in the news a lot this week, which in the year of the Rona, Ice Cube is in the news. That'll be tomorrow. We'll do Global Sunday Talk on Racism this Sunday. It's one week late, but better late than never. We'll see if they've been talking about Ice Cube uh, around the world, as well as getting final predictions for the election and what the heck has happened over there with the Rona restrictions, all the rest. That is uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 12 noon Pacific on Sunday. Until then, much obliged for all the folks who uh, joined us. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. All the attempted parents, man, extremely hard job. Like, wow, just do the best you can to share logic. Uh, And as was stated, laying that foundation, if you do quality work, even if they have to learn the hard way, I think a lot of times they will remember. Wow. Mom and dad were not so crazy. Hmm. Maybe I should have listened more. That happens frequently when you start with quality work to begin with. So be not discouraged. Dr. Welsing said that all the time. Be not discouraged. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We will need our brain computer working at maximum efficiency to solve this problem. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled. I still say let's hunker down. Miss TN was saying that I concur. Let's hunker down. This is not the time to be out gallivanting and running all about lots of armed white people. Lots of dangers, period. Uh, As we close down the end of the year, lots of law enforcement outlets have already been projecting warning. I'll say uh, could be violence with the election, regardless of who wins could be violence could be unrest they've had those reports for a long time so hunker down if you got to go outside have that head on a swivel be alert see if things are happening around you if it looks like things are getting loud volatile this is not the time for risks uh certainly not the time for any sort of like verbal altercations with strangers out in public you don't know if these folks are armed you don't know if these folks are part of a gang that's present and also armed like No time for unnecessary risks this year. Uh, If we are going out again, we're going to be sober, buckled. If you are driving, you are not on the cell phone. Uh, We need maximum attention to be paying attention to our surroundings. And we're trying to do just all the little things that we can to keep ourselves safe in an extremely dangerous environment. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible cow signing out thanks all for tuning in
nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's brother. Your problem? You're a victim. Man, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Yeah.